Welcome to the first Roll Better podcast of the new year. Uh, you are here with Barry Gidgel. John Parrish. Dan Adams. Uh, Matt's off being an adult somewhere, doing yeah. things that I don't understand. First time for everything. I think he's in, a, he's in a sales training meeting or something. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, so first up, we got lots to talk about. Yeah. Uh, we're going to try and talk a bit about uh, being a new player, things to do with that. We can talk a little bit about, a little bit about God Tier. A little bit about the Indiegogo campaigns, a little bit about Pelage. And then we should answer some questions, which people very kindly posted up on Facebook. But first up, we will start with our customary, what have we been up to? Over to John. I bought a flat. Hooray! That's been my hobby. Paintbrushes are a little bit bigger. (laughs) And it's been quite fun. Oh, good. That's pretty much what I've done. And then um, this weekend recently just attended the Magic GP. For a side event. Didn't try and do the main event. Mm. Not going to try that anymore. Because I, I think once your flat's done and dusted, that may become the official home of Roll Better Podcast. I in your wel- hobby room would welcome it. Yeah, because at the minute we're currently at Ginjal's Gaming Emporium. Yep. <laughs> but we need to think of a name for yours. Not right now. We're just there. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say two hours later. But if anyone has any suggestions, <laughs> yeah, John Barrish's place house. <laughs> How was magic? Magic was alright. It's the GP, so it is a very, very large room. Lots of very, very sweaty people. Very, very smelly. Oh dear. It's good fun though. We had a good time. Me, Dan and Dyson yeah. ended up playing a Chaos Draft, which was very fun. Did you sell a lot of those cards? Yeah, I did, I did. Well, I think all of us did. Yeah, we were all vendoring. Yeah, we were all vendoring, just trying to get rid of all the cardboard crack that we had. Trading it in for less cardboard crack <laughs> or cash money from in my dollar dollar bills y'all yeah to then plough into god tier yeah basically <laughs> pretty much yeah so it was good and you and me well I've got two months worth of hobby news which roundabout summarises <laughs> to I went to the GP last weekend <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I've cleared some Malifaux models Oh yeah, you're going to take up a bit of Malifaux now, aren't you? I, well, I, I like the system, I like the models, so uh, me and my friend Richard are going to BonesCon, where we will be playtesting God Tier on the Friday and then just Malifaux for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. Uh, the models are a pain in the dick to glue, though. <laughs> <laughs> I have a model that's on a small 40mm base, uh, probably the same rough dimensions as Strongbox, came in 24 bits. What? That's bonkers. And for someone who doesn't like hobby... This is, this is, a, is this another vindication of steam-forged and plastic teams? Well, the, there's that, and I still remember the weird... So when I did the Iron Painter, it was sponsored or hosted by Weird Miniatures, the guys that make Malifaux. And they were like, if you use the weird models and it's a draw, you end up winning. I was, oh. like, I was like, the likelihood of it being a draw, very low. But on round one, I was talking to Dan, and he suggested some really cool Malifaux models. So I went out and bought them. And it was effectively a goblin holding a fireball in about 15 pieces. And I was like, I am not doing this. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, what have I been doing? Not a lot. Oh, no, I've been painting a furnace. Finally got my furnace. And I've been painting him. But it's taken me ages because I've been trying out different schemes. And I've posted a couple of pictures on on our Facebook page. But he's almost finished now. And uh, today I started... um, 
a base for a golden demon entry for the Horus Heresy Weekender, which is this Friday. Today is Monday. I don't know if I'm going to finish it, but I promised Sire I would enter. So I've got to try and finish something to enter, because I promised. You've basically guaranteed a pin, right? What, because my base is so baller? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, you've got three days. It's fine. Well, and a bit less, because Nick's got a day off on Thursday, so... Yeah, like, tomorrow. i got to do Golden Demon tomorrow, it's fine. But I'm not trying to win it, to clarify. I just... Absolutely. Well... Have you seen some of the stuff that I know people are entering? Yeah, I was going to say. Wow. Because yeah. Andy Ward, uh, and it's bonkers. He's, He's Magnus. That Magnus. We've got the scrimshawed horns. Oh, oh my God. I mean, I thought it was amazing. So there's the, all, all of the techniques over the whole model. And then you put it on the base. And to top it all off, the bits that I saw was the OSL from the gems that are in the base yeah. on his on Magnus's heels. It's bonkers. I was a bit like, sure. Yeah. but no, Sure. It, my intent is to really try and get a pin I would love to get a pin but I don't really feel leaving myself two days to paint a model is really the way to go about it but, got, got but be, if you do yeah, got to be in it to yeah, win it true and if you do get it with your two days I could be all like, on the day you'd be like just imagine if I had a week <laughs> yeah it would Andy, exactly the same yeah step aside so buddy. give me another lunch time <laughs> <laughs> I knock out the other two categories <laughs> but I'm hoping to get my blacksmiths uh, going because I've tested out on Furnace quite a lot of schemes different types of colours and this and that but now I'm locked it should be like bash 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 hopefully and then I'll finally have painted a team <laughs> this is ridiculous well as soon as my hobby room set up it will not only just become the roll better HQ HQ but it will also be where I can actually set up my airbrush to get it going yeah so I can start painting again properly rather than having to Get it out, pack it away, get it out, pack it away. Yeah. It'll be yeah. set up, and boom. Agreed. So, also, it's the Horus Heresy weekend of this weekend, which John and I are going to. Yeah. Um, But that means we can't go to the playtesting event, the Steamforge playtesting event, which is a real shame, because I would have I would have liked to go. We're all incredibly hyped for the playtesting events. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when we were at SteamCon, and it was SteamCon they announced it. Yeah. Steve, when they announced it, we lost. We lost it. We were like, doesn't matter. Where Everyone, it, yeah, we like, doesn't matter where you are in the country. We'll drive there. Of course, we will. South London to Manchester doesn't doesn't bother us. And then they did it for a day on a I, Sunday. On a Sunday, and yeah. I was like, make it a Saturday, and I'll be there. Sunday, I don't want to drive up there, and then after the playtesting, drive home. Yeah, absolutely. Probably we'd like a two day. Yeah, if you're gonna, well, or, I just prefer. If I'm honest, I'd prefer a Saturday or maybe a little Sunday morning finish up. I want to. I don't want to be leaving Sunday night to drive home. Exactly, is the truth of it. So, Steve, when you when you're planning the roll better exclusive <laughs> yeah. play test, yes, because that will that will happen. Yeah, if, yeah. If you can just make sure that it's a Saturday, I mean, we can even drive down Friday night. If you I'd want, happily like, drive down Friday yeah. night, <laughs> pop in for a, you know another TGI Fridays or whatever it was. Yeah. Frankie and Benny's. Frankie, Frankie and Benny's, Benny's, that's the one. Same thing, but different. Yeah. Uh, yeah, another one of them. Cheap hotel, bit of playtesting, drive home. Love it. Yeah. So when, when you want to email us, just let us know. Yeah. We'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Not a joke, we will. Yeah, I was going to say, don't, don't fuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> don't play with my heart. <laughs> so, on to the news section. Lots to talk about. Uh, let's start with the Indiegogo campaigns. What are you chaps' thoughts? Well... By the way that we've spoke about things in the past, I think everyone will have assumed we've backed everything. Correct. And no one can does. anyone in the room raise their hand if they've got them? <sighs> Dad's looking away. 
Well, just so you know, podcast, no hands have been raised. <laughs> <laughs> this is an audio. Yeah. <laughs> radio. No, we, we haven't backed it. Um, We've all got mixed opinions on it, though. I mean, the Steam Forge seemed to release the world in January. Yeah. yeah. The longest month. Because we've got Rat Catchers, which we'll come on to. We've got God Tier, which we'll come on to. We've got these two, which we'll come on to. It does feel a lot. Yeah, I mean... Which, you know, I'm, for me, that's not really the primary driver why I haven't got it. It's, it's weird. It's like I looked at it. If they were all new models, I think I'd be in on it. But I don't know. Part of me, it's an odd one because I love the new sculpts. They're great. Not The new sirens are stunning. Yeah, sirens great. I want those models. Tenderizer's great. I, I love every single one of the new ones I love. Not okay with Boiler and Meat Hook. But... Oh, see, I, I much prefer... I was going to say, I really like... I know that someone, I think it was uh, Matt at the club actually, when we talked about the boiler, he didn't like the pose that boiler had. No, I, I really yeah, liked I, did. I really liked, and I really liked Meat Hook. But I like the so. other ones all. This isn't like a uh, sort of better, it's just, I love them all. I think they're great. I really like yeah. a lot of the slight fidelity tweaks on the sculpts. Like Jack, I think, looks so yes. much better. And it's basically nothing's happened to him, but he looks so good. He does, you're all right. When he's just like that bit more, uh, that big bit bigger and a bit more portly. And he looks like a bruiser now, rather than a man with a triton. <laughs> no. Well, Kraken's pose as well is phenomenal. I really like Kraken's. Yeah. Weirdly, I think I prefer Kickstarter Shark to this shark. But I, I still do. really like this shark. You know, yeah. I, I don't dislike any of it. And I, I can't help but feel that if it was... I know this isn't helpful for like new players, but if it had been like a box with here's the new butchers and the new fish, I think I'd be in on it. But I don't really want plastics of models I've got in metal. And also, it's just two teams that I haven't played, even though I do intend to play Fish, which I've been saying for years. I'm not sure on it, because for me it's the completest wanting to have all the toys to win yeah. and do it. But then, that now it's going to be doubled up. So I have all the toys. Yeah. And it, my, my reason for having them is because if I want to learn to play a team, or if I'm struggling against a team, I can get that team out and then learn with it. I don't need to buy these boxes to do that. I've already got yeah. that. So you really have to make the driver. These are all new, fresh models, like we've said already. Yeah. Like they, that, That's what will entice me to do it. The Putting them in the boxes that are similar to the other ones, fine. Like, we all have a come from a... I don't know how unique the position is from what I've... From people I've talked to, we are in a slightly unique position. We all own all the teams. Yeah. Yeah, I found that really odd. Whereas talking not, talking to people yeah. and then them, them saying, "Oh, I've I've got this team," you say, "Oh, cool. What other teams have you got?" And I, when people say they've got one team, the amount of variants that we play on a Wednesday yeah. or a, when we do pub Mondays, actually, with the we're going to randomly draft a team, get every single captain, mm. throw one out, and then throw the team out. Like there's no there's no pick. There's so no, our opinions might not be yeah. indicative of the community as a whole. What I'd be really interested the opinions of the people that have one team and that one team is the one on the Indiegogo. Do they feel cheated out? Ooh, interesting. The flip side of that, obviously, is the if you didn't have a team and you were looking to get into it, this surely is the perfect perfect time to do it. Absolutely. So I can I can see where their mindset and logic was going with it with, like, if you wanted to start butchers and you didn't have the butchers, £100? £100. £100, so £70. 70 pounds. 70 quid and you get the whole team. Whoa, I'd bite your arm off. That's yeah. amazing. But imagine you only had butchers. 
Means about the fish campaign. Butchers and yeah, no. But say, say, you know, what I mean, you don't play fish, and you see your team, and you're like, say, for example, butchers players turning around, going, "I really want to play Union." And well, that's do you, do you know what I mean? I understand that they're yeah, going to be coming. Becomes, there's also an issue where okay, you've got that scenario. If these don't start, they're not going to. I'm assuming they're not going to spend money sculpting all the other teams. Well, quite. That yeah. that was going to be my. That's the that's my only worry because if they did. Uh, for my engineers because they're the team that I play the most if they were to bring out the alternate sculpt engineers I would have backed it I would have been refreshing at the time that they Same said they were doing Union. because I would make sure I want that mod like those models especially like the teams that are coming out in uh, having their mind yields I would probably buy those again because I've got models that are already painted if I want like he wants to match those. I might, you know, like. Mm, well, this I could, this... I could sell it to myself that way. As in, like, I'm going to have this plastic box. And it's going to match my rat catchers, and they're all going to look uniform across the whole. Well, we nearly had that discussion when they were allowed. I'm very, very glad I didn't do the union buying. Yeah. Ten avarice and greeds and the, getting them painted as each of the teams because thankfully they told us that they were going before that was on my, on the agenda otherwise all of those gutters would have been very disappointed well I've I got a couple of ANGs and about four mists <laughs> well I've got them through the steam con of the year before like mm. I've got the ANGs and the mists and stuff but I did go through a phase of really liking gutter therefore was going to buy gutter for each of my teams yeah. and get her painted differently but this would now encourage me to do that again with the rack yeah. like the, as you said rat catchers I already have morticians some of them are already painted I would buy the morticians in plastic to be able to put them alongside my rat catchers, and then when they get painted, they're all painted in the same thing. Yeah. That's really cool. Like, I could I could see that happening. Yeah. You, the, now you've said that, that has triggered me. I think that's a really good point. If this had been morts to go with rat catchers, I'd have been in. And I don't even play morts. <laughs> but that's a good point. Is it the two? Is it just those two teams? I don't know. They are kind of the poster boys, but. So I understand that decision, but it doesn't. I will. I mean, maybe the, I mean, fa- the, the fa- price is good. You can't deny the price. No, exactly. Is good. The new sculpts are lovely. You can't deny the new sculpts are lovely. I can't, but we also can't deny that they're nowhere near the amount of backers yeah. that I assumed they well, would be at. Well, I remember sitting around us lot talking at the club. We were worried that we weren't going to get a box because we would, we were. We were debating whether or not we needed to make sure we backed it and everything else. And then I remember conceding and just going because it was Wednesday that they were it released and we were at the club. Clock. We were at the club going, oh, I don't know, shall we, shall we? And we're like, no, we're not going to do it. We'll make a stand. No, we don't need to do it yet. And then they didn't sell out. Well, is there a lot of people like us that are holding fire? I'd say, because that being said, we had the discussion earlier. If they hit 700, 750, I'm probably backing it then. Because it's probably happening and then I'm like, I'm not going to allow other people to have the toys that I could potentially have. So... Well, you can have these toys in the future if they hit the 800. Cause they're yeah, in 2019. Yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not waiting. What's the release date on these if you get these? I assumed it was at the... Pass. I thought it was like 2019, I'll be honest with you. Oh. I don't think you're getting them like next week. No, I don't mean next week, but I'll, I would hope the 800 get them before... I thought they retail, got retail was 2019. Yeah. The, f- I, the fact that you assume that has given me the opportunity to use one of my favourite phrases. You have made an ass out of you and me. I love that. Um, Both animals. <laughs> it's yeah. It's not. I don't. I don't know. Dad's looking up. We'll have a look. That's fine. But I don't know. Like I for the first like that Wednesday and that Thursday it was in the back of my mind. Like oh should I do it? Should I do it? 
And then I forgot all about it, which has got to be a bad sign. Like, yeah. I'm not. My excitement got derailed back to God tier. Is that another mistake? Or is that the reason that we weren't looking at it? Maybe. I was so excited and just. Like, I know what I wanted when it came to this. And after yeah. you tell me in November that I'm going to get to playtest the game, show me beautiful models, and tell me there's an orc band. Yeah. Also, well, like, the, rat, the rat cat is coming out. I was like, I kind of got my fix of. Hobby. Yeah, I got my, like, heroin fix of new sh- things coming to my house sometime in the future. That's Guild Ball. Yeah. So I don't know if I needed. I didn't need that fix. I mean, I'm sure I'll relook at it again, but I just can't. I just don't know. I don't think yes. I'm going to... I'm sure I'll relook at it. As, me, uh, well, as Dan spoke to me earlier on, if they get to the 650-700 mark, I'm, I will real, really review the situation. Also known as, is it after payday? Well, I, I think a few people have said that. Because I, as I understand it, that would be for people this week. Yeah. End of this week. Right. Because it will be the... If people... Uh, I know other job roles, for example, get paid on the last working day of the month. Okay. So 31st will be not... Yeah, Wednesday, wouldn't it? Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah. Well, one or the other, whatever. But when they, when the, it would be interesting to see what it looks like on Friday. Yeah, if it spikes like that, because yeah. Indiegogo takes the money early doors, whereas Kickstarter, as soon as you back you, yeah, Kickstarter is like when it, the pledge goes off. So maybe that is a factor, and we'll see. We'll see I mean, if it spikes. It is a factor, even for most people. January's killer. Like January's tough. Doesn't yeah. have it on either of the campaigns, from what I can see. Alright. It's gonna be ages. Yeah. Because um, if this is to make the moulds and stuff, then it's still, you know, you've still got all of that time. Oh, and well, so it, well, I was going to yeah. say, all of the stuff they said at Steamcon. I think it's 2019 you'd be getting in fact. Yeah. But, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it. We haven't backed it. We want it to happen. Though. Yeah, it's weird. I want this to happen, but if I really wanted it to happen, I'd give them my money. I could, you know, put your money where your mouth is or it's worth, worthless. Well, you, you say that. I do. You've already dropped... God tier money. You've dropped rat catchers money. You've yeah. dropped this. So as far as I'm concerned, they've had my money. They've had my money. Like my referred to as Monday money. <laughs> like <laughs> you're gonna have my January fund and talk to me again in February. I also think it is a factor. I think you know we are all fans of Steamforged. I am not trying to knock Steamforged, but the fact remains that there are still outstanding Kickstarters that they've run that people are waiting on stuff that is delayed. If I'm correct in saying that. And they're doing more things. I like, hear have more, have yeah, more, well, have more. I, I told you about the fella at Magic. Yeah, uh, do please. On do. the Saturday after my game, I was chatting to my opponent and spoke. He asked me what other games I play, and I told him I play Guild Ball. And he didn't play any tabletop games, but knew of Guild Ball relation to Steamforge. And so I said to him, I was like, "Have you ever tried it?" And he was like, "No, I won't try any of their products." And so that prompted me of backing every near enough everything of theirs and saying like, "Why not?" And he was a Dark Souls computer game fan, saw the Kickstarter, backed everything. And because the stretch goals haven't started to come out yet, he was a bit reserved and said, I'm not backing anything until I get my toys. Yeah, which, 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 I, can under- which I can understand, and especially with the situation where they're going to have Dark Souls on the agenda, Resi on the agenda, then they're going to have Dark Souls the card game. Is kind of part of the Dark Souls Kickstarter, but yes. Yeah, I mean, Although I think that's due to ship this month. And then the God Tier well, yeah. Kickstarter. And then, well, then God is going to be there. Like, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's potential waiting. And so it was really interesting to hear it from someone outside of the Guild Ball community because of how vocal the Guild Ball community is, as we've seen on Gubs and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I do think that's a factor. I think if you're waiting on a lot of toys and you've given them a lot of money, you don't really want to give them a lot of money 
for something you're not going to get in your hand and possibly end of this year, early next year. I get that totally. Yeah, no, I do understand. And I think that should that has you know that's a factor, definitely. But talking of God tier. On something we have all dropped money on, <laughs> yes. almost the instant the email hit our inbox. I was going to say, I think it was at seven minutes past four, something like that. Yeah, I think I, I got, got mine on before. four on the dot. Yeah, and I was just, like, <laughs> yeah, done, signed, sealed, done. So two all, couple of hours ago, all the toys. Yeah, we all bought got it. The pre-alpha play test full. Yeah. Full pack. We all got the full pack. Yeah. Really nice pricing structure. 120 for here's your four heroes. It gives you a little bit of variety. Go and play test three mates. And then you've got these other two heroes or two warbands, ba- war hero in a unit that you can add on for 35 each if you want them. So the entire thing is 190 altogether. Yeah. yeah. Models look lovely. We've seen the renders. They do. I mean, I'm looking at them now. This is the first time seeing this giant elf and goodness gracious. I've never really been that way inclined. But I'm into these elves. These are fantastic. I think you were saying, Dan, weren't you, that... Was it that they... They feel very elfy. Like, sometimes elves just feel like humans with pointy ears. Yeah. And they're not, like, elongated proportions, but these are really just... For me, they're exactly what an elf should be. Live and magical. Yes. Yeah, and this giant one, wow, just looks marvellous. Like, can't wait. The giant elf, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think it looks brilliant. I... I mean, I'm still in for the wizards and the golem. I think they're my favourite. The, the models are 54 mil, right? Scale, roughly? Yeah, I think Aren't the champs they? are. The yeah. champions. Maybe. I think that was accurate. Basically. Well, like 32 mil and just larger. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. They, I, th- I felt that they were around the 54 mil sort of scale. And from buying those recently at shows and when painting them, the York Shaman from uh, yeah. the thingy, that's what that sort of scale is. And for models that. Steamforge do like the quality of the stuff that you get from Guild Ball scaled up to that scale yeah. to get six of those models disregard the rest of the warband to get six of those models for 190 quid that's well impressive like yeah, normally prices, yeah. normally you're, like if you're looking at the models that we saw online earlier on I think it's Michael Contaros and Black Sun Miniatures a couple of those guys you're looking at dropping 45-50 quid on a model any day yeah. but if if I may be a slight naysayer, for that is my nature, I, there's just a couple of them I'm still not sold on, if I'm honest. Like, of the big models? Yes. Really? Yes. Which ones? I will tell you. The dwarf. So, the dwarf specifically. I have a slight issue with it. I mean, we don't have all the background for the game, so I don't really know from... Okay, you know, I'll reword it. Five models, they're great. Because <laughs> <laughs> I agree, that, okay, I don't like the dwarf. But So, also, <laughs> like, I'm, so the elf model is awesome. The orc model is awesome. The dwarf is just not my cup of tea. But my issue with it is, if these, as I understood it, the idea is these guys roam the planet, picking up god tears and getting strong. But I'm pretty sure Rangosh didn't start as a Minotaur. Therefore, he has been converted into a Minotaur. Do you have basis for no, that? I have No. This is my point, exactly. I have no basis for that because I don't know the law. But... That's my feeling. So whereas the uh, like the orc, he kind of just got a bit bigger, and like the elf, she kind of just got a bit bigger, and the dwarf, he kind of just got a bit bigger. I would like to just from my own perspective, I think I'd like to see a bit more like mutation or like it might be a bit, you know, traditional. But can the orc get bigger, like tusks or horns or coming out of him or something? Can can the dwarf 
maybe instead of being like flesh, could he could he turn to like metal and have gems sticking out of him and like diamonds on his knuckles to punch people in the face or something? I don't know. Just some. I would really like to know what was designed first. Oh, interesting. If they turned around and went, Rangosh was our like poster boy, and yeah. they designed him first, and they started designing everything, and maybe they went, hold on a minute. Wind it back. <laughs> They're like, we can't start with the Minotaur bull with a whip and everything else or whatever he has. And they go, they go, hold on a minute. Let's have a dwarf. <laughs> Let's have an orc. Let's get the fancy races not turn apart. Dwarf, orc, elf. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Human, wizard, not big. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Then it would be interesting. Or alternatively, they, they got to five and went, mm, Minotaur man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, let's see if we can find out. We'll see if we can find out. But what, yeah, you guys, what I think I'm going for Wizard and Gollum as my favourite so of scenes seen so far. What about you, chaps? I mean, Wizard and Gollum have been the ones that I'm super hyped for. As soon as I saw the one with Keen, I was like, I want that. Yeah. Because I love me a good Wizard model. Um, but I'm also really excited for the Elves. Uh, I'm excited for all of it, really, apart from Dwarf. Uh, I'm excited for all of them, apart from the Dwarf. Apart, apart from... I know the um, completest will have yeah. the dwarf. I'm, I'm getting the dwarf, obviously. Why is he turns out to be like the bestest champion Doesn't at matter. doing things? So this is this is now where the... I'm interested for all the stuff they haven't shown. Yeah, mm. undead dude. Can't wait to see undead dude. Where are the goblins? You've made my orcs. Make my fucking goblins. <laughs> like, this well, is. We fa- saw the silhouette that looked like a goblin, yeah. but I can't remember whether we've seen the uh, art yet. This is this is factual. You've made orcs, you're making goblins. Show me my fucking goblins. Because the goblin was like kind of the hunched over. Yeah, exactly. Look like, I think he looked like he had a dagger poking out the back. Exactly. I want the goblin assassin. Give me my orc rogue. Well, and my goblin rogue. If we go, if they go down like the traditional fantasy world, which we know they are because Loxham said so, I'm hoping for like werewolf guy, vampire guy, and like what are, what's our other sort of archetypes of fantasy well my my mind went to like a so i matt hartz spoke massively about his love for online gaming and his league of legends gaming and his other things it would not surprise me if that influences the way that he's going to build uh, characters okay and you start seeing themes in characters that you see across games so with uh, with for example uh, the dragon king that jumps through whirlpools i don't know if there is anyone like that in league because i haven't played league i've played a lot of dota myself and i've played a lot of things like that Things with teleportation, there are things like that in Dota. Like it, it could be interesting to see if he's basing anything off of that, because there's like a hundred and something characters across Dota. Uh, Dota's a hundred, slightly over a hundred. Yeah, hundred plus. But what I mean is, each of them is very, very, uh, very, very individual, and could have lots of stuff based off of yeah. them. I don't know if League is like that, and that's what he's played. But it would be really interesting to see if any of I that. I believe they are League players. Yes. What? I believe they are League players. Well, the characters. No, 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 no. The guy's making it. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that would be interesting. My favourite one so far is the orc, though. Obviously. It and, is and good. And for people that don't know, it will be anything that's green gets bought straight away. Huh. Painted first. I'm thinking of not painting them green, Paint. actually. I want them... It's got, like, it's got No, no, dark brown, like, uh, pre... Um, uh, pre... Uh, fucking... Burning Crusade. Yeah. yeah vanilla. Yes. Uh, the, like, different tiers of yellowy orange. Yeah, and... that's what I want. Oh no, I'm going to need to have more orc models. I think I'm going dirty white. Interesting. Albino orcs. Interesting. Interesting. I think you, you want. I know. Oh, Garrosh coming through I the portal. To, I was literally about to say it's going to be Garrosh coming through the portal, isn't it? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I want. Uh, He's even got a burning axe. That's uh, perfect. I, I didn't understand that reference. All World of Warcraft related. Oh, okay, fine. It, it's good fun. Oh. 
Don't worry, they'll bring out an Orc Shaman later. Gul'dan will be there. and Elsa can be purple. <laughs> <laughs> but, so got it. We're in. So we're in. We don't know when we're going to get it, but we would imagine it's still going to be, you know, three odd weeks from today. Four odd weeks from today. I, I am softly hoping to get it before BonesCon, because I'm playtesting it on the Friday. And take, I'll replace it with my own Oh, I rock up with my KR case. Like, yep, here's. Yeah. <laughs> Not painted, of course, because fuck hobby. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting. Which one, so, Dan's going to stick them all together and then spray them black. Yeah, sure. Which one will you pick up? Like, out of all of those models, yep. which one interests you the most of paint? Not favourite model. It, they are one and the same. Shell and the. Wizard, Gollum. Bit of OSL on the symbols. I'm a little bit excited. Okay. See, my interesting is, my favourite model is the Orc, and I can't wait to paint him. Sure. But the one that I really want to paint is the Dragonkin. Oh, cool. Because, so going along the, how do you see your model looking? Like, I see him as oily, and I really want to try, have you seen that them chameleon paints? Yes. I want to try that on him. Cool, okay. He is, that is such a good model, like, for, to be honest, him and the wizard dude, they keep vying for... Like, if you ask me tomorrow, I might say the dragon guy. The um, dragon guy's a little bit too hunched for me. I oh, okay. I really, I don't mind. I really like it. Uh, different days... Unless he's, like, the kind of roguish character and, like, Steve, but he's also, like, a fucking 12-foot-tall dragon. Um, <laughs> On his tiptoes, you know. Right. <laughs> he's got two giant knives. I want... He's... Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like he's click stealth, but he can't really stealth because yeah. look, look, he's fucking twenty foot tall. As long as you roll twenty on that d twenty, you're fine. I <laughs> know <laughs> those two are my favourite, but the, no, the, it's the wizard and the stone golem for me that I want to paint the most. The stone golem is going to be really interesting because take it as you wish; it doesn't have to be a stone golem. Sure. There's going to be so many people that make it into a jade golem, a uh, like I want like insert precious stone here and like volcanic. Like. So you've got all these symbols as like the yeah. lava to yeah when it's pop- popping out or and just like your in- black stone for the yeah or just engraved. So you've got like an amethyst, you've got like a purple yeah. going on, and it's really diamond. nice. What my, I'm planning to go with grey. Oh, diamonds are boring. Like a, I'm planning to go with grey with like a greeny glow. Yeah, yeah, kind of similar to the war machine ones. Now you said that I'm not doing it. <laughs> like I say, my, I would like to see how. The effect of that would come if I did a purple glazed one, like an amethyst. That would okay. look really fucking cool. Give it a go. We will see. So, moving on in the news, Ratcatchers. The link got released for that and everyone lost their shit. We saw the full box went up for pre-order, yep. along with the alternate Piper. Yeah, which yeah. I love. I think it's... I prefer that pose to the... Oh yeah, I think we're in the minority. A lot of people seem to prefer the... Box pose. Yeah, box pose on one leg. The box pose is more dynamic, but when they've described it, the rat catchers at um, SteamCon as, they're the... Not the underworld, but they live in the sewers, like skulks, a thug. Yeah. I I feel like the piper standing stoically with the bladed pipe is just... It fits the aesthetic mm. more for me. I So, it's weird... I've come, I've gone a, done a bit of a one eighty because I was looked at them. I was like, yeah, I think they're really nice, but I'm not that bothered. Ordered them, obviously, and then <laughs> Angel Heraldas released the his albums where you can you know he does so many pictures front, little bit left, little bit more left, little bit more left, and you just go all the way around. Suddenly, I fell in love with them. I was like that skulk. I love that skulk. Yes, partly it's his paint job. But 95% of it is that sculpt. Because I like a stoic standing there, come at me bro model. 
and yeah. that is that. It's so cool. Um, Pelage, I think, is marvellous model. I was going to say, for me, this box has been really odd because where a lot of the other people's stuff... I mean, the Blacksmith's still a little bit different because I wouldn't say they have an iconic model there because they're all the Master Museum. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. I, what I, I mean say is, woman on horse. What I mean is there's no definitive... There, there was so much big stuff in Blacksmith. Yeah. What I mean is there, there was no... You didn't know who the captain was because there was no captain. Oh, okay. So what I mean is like Thresher's box came out and you knew oh. who Thresher was. Granger's box came out and you knew who Granger was. So with Piper's box, I didn't look at Piper first. Which is when they were like alternate Piper model. I was like, okay, cool. You get two different models of him. But neither of them were the ones that I went, oh, that's really cool. Pelage, I fucking love that model. I think that looks amazing. And then Miasma, I really want to see more of. Like, I love the Angel Geraldo turning it round sort of thing. That's what I want to see. Because... The whole team, I don't know, the team looked a lot more um, close to theme, if that makes sense, okay. than, than other teams I've seen. Farmers is a little, a little bit hard not to be themed. Blacksmiths <laughs> is a little bit hard not to be themed. But all the, from the previous ones, I think they're doing so well keeping them all themed. And rat catchers were not as easy, in my opinion, to do as farmers, because farmers are farmers and blacksmiths are blacksmiths. <laughs> right. Rat catchers was a kind of, uh, they live in the sewers and let's see what we do. But I think they've really tied them all together. Yeah, and nice. it looks fucking cool. Yeah, Miasma, I'm not 100% sold on. I want to see her up close and personal. And uh, Scourge, or as was it Rich for Dutch House Beer, was, or was it Rattalist? That was Matt, wasn't it? No. No, was it? we missed it. And uh, he jumped in on yeah, us and so, said, oh, how did you miss it? So Apologies, Matt's been saying that ever since, I believe. Yes, but yeah. not to Rich, he thought of it. Ah, Rattalist. Um, I, I like his art, but I'm not... I don't know how I'm... I'm not sold on the model yet, but again... We've seen this many times that just because you see it on a screen, when you get it in your hand, different story. Cast. Oh, okay. You didn't like that until you got it in your hand. Cast. I looked at the model and was like, why the fuck am I playing with someone that's playing Ultimate Frisbee? <laughs> like, seriously. And then the model came out and I got the model and I was like, yeah, okay, give it, I'll take it back. I apologize. Cool. It's really cool. But I, I, I'm really excited and I think a lot of people seem to be excited for Rat Catchers and the Mining Guilds in general. So that that's really going to be good. Going to be great for the game. Cool. With the revelation of cards, me and you were speaking earlier on, Dan, about I'm so, so loving Skulk. More and more. The more I read of his card, the more just like putting him into a place. He's just a really annoying, cool model. Mm. Well, speaking of cards... I was going to say, so Pelage's card is out and about now. I'm sure yes. every... Oh yeah, I was going to say, by the time this goes out, I'm sure everyone has heard it. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the... Not the end yeah, I can't remember what it's called, the... Well, yeah. Well, embargo. Stri- embargo. That's the one. Was broken at twelve o'clock, and then about twelve posts yeah, went up stri- at twelve. Yeah, but stri- yeah, so then, then we, we decided. Broke it. Then we decided to record ours because you know, yeah, head of the curve. <laughs> well, not really, because Strictly had it last week. Yes, <laughs> but they're proper. But um, they're like an actual podcast. I know they have listeners. They've got content. <laughs> um, hashtag what the fuck is this? <laughs> so no comment. <laughs> anyway, Dan, what is your take on Pelage? Well, I don't think we need to describe the card as a whole because you you've all seen that now yeah, like yeah. twelve or sixteen times. Uh, I think it's worth that. It's very hard to describe her in the context of the rat catchers until we yes. see the entire um, guild. We saw like the Cinder last uh, blacksmith box at the start of it. Um, a lot of people were like, "Oh, she's worth blacksmith by far." Like some people were saying, "Oh, she's a good role player." I think she's essentially be their mascot. And I was two, one of those people. Yeah. Box two hit. You saw burnish. You saw all this thing. You saw how the blacksmith was going to play with box two, and all of a sudden she's very well, hard to cut from. Well, it was half half made Cinder. Yeah, an auto include. I cannot take her. No, sorry, I cannot take a list without her. She is the one. So 
I find it very hard to uh, talk about Pelage in the context of rat catchers. Uh, I think that's very fair. Yeah. I think that the only thing that I can see at the moment is she's got 10 hitboxes and you're going to get diseased on her and that's going to tick down quite quickly if you're not careful. Yeah. That's fair. Because with rat catch, diseased is two-edged sword to say it. But as bad as it is for you, it's also bad for your opponent. It multiplies conditions no matter who puts them on. Mm. If you're facing brewers and then knocking down every model you've got with disease, that's your momentum you're spending. I'm sure the guild has uh, valves and taps to sort of make that slightly more in their favour because I'm assuming that's how they've been designed. But it's still going to be a concern, I think. Yeah. However, my favourite bit of her probably is the fact that she's got singled out. Yeah. Which is, for me, it's more of a deal when it comes to playing her in context of morticians. Momentous singled out. It's momentous singled out. Uh, she, like one of my favourite, my favourite guild for season three has been Union. Before the large sweeping changes, I was on Avarice and Greed, Gutter, Fangtooth. It was the singled out into, like, setting up the perfect scything blows, the unmaskings. And morticians have now become that team. They have the singled out that's not on a mascot anymore. They've got a playable, a very playable Scything Blade model. They've got a very playable Unmasking model, more playable than Fangtooth was. And I'm excited to try that. Yeah. All the damage on all the people, all the time. And Ob's not too bad with 8-tack either. Yeah. And it's a tooled-up yeah. team as well. Ob, Ob with the... yeah the, the plus Crowd out, plus two. Plus two, that is annoying. Yeah. I, I do really like that. What do you think, John? But mine's at the... So we've seen the back of the card. We've seen the whole block. Yeah, but what I mean is, for me, the back of the card was yeah. the big part. Like yeah. the, the singled out, great. Yep, it's another character. Five O, whatever. Ten hitboxes, whatever. The decisions that you're going to have to make playing against the rat catchers it is insane. I'm really. Looking... You're a bit nervous about this one as well, aren't you? Like the cloak of rat stuff. I'm really looking forward to playing them with me playing as them. Yeah, because you're going to move Pelage six inches. It's not going to be engaging anyone or the click rats isn't going to be relevant. You're just going to clock it to them for the decision. Yeah. But it it sounds like a dick thing and it is but once people get around that knowledge of it when it makes a difference when once they're like in, once Pillage is engaging people those decisions are going to start racking up on your time. Yeah. And we've all played Gilball long enough now that 45 minutes on your clock isn't a long time we do end up you do end up I would say you do see quite a few games every round of every tournament going to time only your games I, I can't remember the last time I clocked out in a tournament it, it's you John this no no you. what I'm saying is within a tournament that you're standing in you'll finish your game great but there, since when do you end up starting the next round early because everyone's finished yeah well, well, no, you're playing all the you. tournaments <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna let. We're not gonna let it go. Sorry. Fine. <laughs> but many decisions, many things. That's going to be really interesting. I do also really like the you activate her late to put snare on someone, engage lots of people, and then when they activate next turn, although there's lots of people engaging her, she's non-momentous damage results. And if they end engaging her, they take three. That's really interesting, and it depends on how it all ties in. I do. I really worry about what you said though about the disease thing because ultimately you want her close to things because you want to single out things even doesn't matter how good your placement is of making sure uh, Rattalist doesn't give her disease or whatever it is but you are going to have to be careful with Pelage though because I feel that although your placement with models that give out disease 
is going to be relatively easy because you can put disease on the models you want. As soon as you've dropped disease, for example, you're playing against Brewers, you drop disease on Hooper because that's who you're trying to kill. Hooper activates the top of next to it and moves to Pelage, and Pelage is now diseased. Mm. You're then sat there, as you've said, with a 10 health model that's losing a tick of health every time. Not a good place to be. It costs like three to heal. Yeah, it's not It's not going to be good. But Well, is it possible that one of the players we haven't seen is going to have a heal-friendly models mechanic? I, I'm, I'm assuming they built in some sort of stopgap to make it slightly easier for the right catch player. Yeah. Also, heaps of awful things you can use clear conditions for one. Uh, <laughs> true grit. <laughs> Never drop disease on Hooper. Fine. <laughs> Fine. It went on. Tapper. There we go. <laughs> there we go. That was easy. <laughs> yeah, but but that style of yeah. that, that style of what I mean is your placement with like your anyone. Scourge has got it. Miasma's got it. Anyone's got it. Doesn't matter if you place your models well enough that you're never in your model's melee zone at the end of the activation. As soon as you've dumped the first disease on someone, effectively they've got the disease running around. <laughs> playing, you're playing against the mirror match, you put disease on the bird. The bird then just flies into the middle of your team and diseases your team. Sad day. You kill the bird and lose two momentum. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Bad day, so. You disease vet cat. Vet cat has a field day. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh I'd like that. But that's what you were saying that the blog post said. Yeah, the blog post. in between. So you come up against the alchemists and you laugh at them and don't take disease. Yeah. The blog post did say that it was possible to play entirely disease team three. I think you have to not take Scourge, not take Miasma according to the blog post. That's what it said, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I like it. What's your favourite part about it? My favourite part, apart from the model looking awesome, I like the idea of her in Scalpel. Because I quite like the idea of her being um, reanimated. Sure. Um, but I, I do. I just like the amount of damage I think she can dish out. I quite like. I think the damage is a bit of a trap because she's attack five model with two on three. <laughs> yes, but yeah. she's going to single out on the first one momentously. Is she though? Yes. Four one in cover. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to say it. She's attack five, right? Not attack six. She's attack five. Yeah. So. I'm like, getting second column results before with the attack five model. It like, doesn't always work. Attack five five O models. That's my that's my comfort zone. That's vitriol. It's my favorite favorite player. It's fine. Is she still your favorite player? No, but yeah. that's not the point. <laughs> I've moved on. It's fine. She's got ten hit points as well, right? Yeah. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> Stop it. Old, old wounds. They, they haven't healed. <laughs> so, I mean, I like. I I'm loving the idea of just that decision. Like as you say, like you move her up. Smash the clock. What do you want? Cloak of rats. And they're like, what's cloak of rats? And you're like, well, this is on your clock. Uh, cloak of rats. Um, and just explain <laughs> no, it. No, no. Throw on the card. Yeah. But I mean, that's only going to last a little while. I just think people... No, are... it's not. It's going to last for ages. <laughs> no. People will take the snared, like, most of the time, aren't they? I mean... Mm. So situational. The, the, the fact it snares and not does anything else is massive. The minus two, minus two move of stopping a striker scoring. Minus, like, it's not just the minus one death that I think some people might have looked okay. at it as. So here's the, here's the interesting one. If she goes in and ends up two inches away from a model with three health and a model you really don't want to die and it's the last activation of the turn, mm. what do you do? There's lots of... There, yeah. There's the... I think... 
I think you're right. You will take snare the majority of the time. So I think they're going to take damage most of the time. No, I think that. Well, this is interesting. I think there will be a snare most of the time, depending on uh, the situation. But last activation of a turn, it's going to be the damage. Yeah. The the longer you leave Pelagia's activation, the more likely they are to take the damage. Yeah. The earlier there is is the snare. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I think she's. I think as we always say in this situation, I think they're very interesting, and I agree. We can't just. We can't in a vacuum work her out. But as you say, we can into morticians. And I think she's really interesting into morticians. I think I'm liking the idea of, you know, turning on casket a little bit. Like I think she could do some damage in casket. He could just go in and get his um yeah. legendary, which I quite like. Not that they don't have access to damage, but casket. Yeah. Well the, the damage as you say though, it becomes a trap. I think in the scalpel matchup it becomes a trap. In the Obulus matchup, we've got all of the two-inch melee models that can help you with the crowd out. If you're able to get against that male and you've tooled her up, she is reliably going to be doing four damage on three. Yeah. It's, I mean, but I do understand what you mean because I have issues getting to that third column on Ballista who's got tag six. So. She can perform multiple roles. Like, I mean, most models can, but her especially, I think. Like, there's going to be times where she's the one setting up for other people and there are other times that other people are going to be setting up for her. Like, yeah. her and Ghost. Her and Ghast. Either she's going in singly out and Ghast is going to get the big unmaskings. Yeah. Or Ghast just goes in at the top of the turn. So he's like, oh, spoiler, Shank in a row and just goes, knock down, knock down, knock down, plunge. That's how I saw it, if I'm honest. I saw Ghast going in, doing the knockdowns. So they're crowded out. She comes in, does the damage to the guys. That's in my head how I planned, how I thought I would play her. Or you see Ox, spoiler, Shank, and then Plage goes in, singles out Ox. Gangs him up. But then she's in danger of being too close for the unmasking and she's taking the damage. You've got two inch melee. You just, just, like, it's not that hard. <laughs> dear, dear listeners, Dan is using his fingers to position invisible players <laughs> in the air. I think sometimes it can be tricky. Yeah, it can, but then you just unmasking Pelage off the table if you're getting three kills out of it. Fair. fair. The amount of times I've killed my own greed or minx is ridiculous. <laughs> when... Gutter thinks she's a Beyblade. <laughs> Gutter is a Beyblade. She knows. <laughs> but so ultimately, Pelage, we all like her. Yeah. The last one as well. When we were saying about the earlier on, you go at the end of a turn, you go and engage loads of people. If they uh, not loads of people, let's say two, because that's going to be the majority of the time you're able. If you to engage get... more than two, you're probably not getting off single out. And I, I don't mean for the purposes of attack. I know. I'm just saying. I, but... Yeah. I, I will mean that even if she's got zero influence, for example. You go and end your turn yeah. engaging two people because ultimately you're either going to snare two people or do six damage. That then becomes very, very nice. Then you're engaging them. If they then go at the top of the next turn with either of those two models, they're not generating momentum because hitting her doesn't yeah. do it unless they dodge. And if or they do... Or push. Or character plays. Or anything that isn't damage. Anything that doesn't include Doesn't damage. include damage. No. So what I'm saying is it's very... Very situational about who you engage. Yeah. Right? And... If they end up engaging her, they take an additional three damage. True. So, I was thinking on that line, she gets way more dangerous the longer the game goes on. Yeah. Because that three damage becomes huge. Yeah. Yeah. When, when models are coming back on on seven, and it's costing you two to heal them yeah. four, and they're like, "Well, Pelage has the ball. What are you gonna do? I need to go and if I take the ball and end up engaging her, I take three, and then she just does like two, 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 mm. two, 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 not even hitting the." Not even hitting the two, it's, just, it's a male model like Shark just takes one up to two, one up to two, one up to two, one up to two. Mm. But any player in this game that can do stuff for free 
is good. powerful yeah. and is worth talking about. And she can. She can do quite a bit without yeah. with nothing. So I, I think she's fantastic. I, I'm not saying she's not fantastic. I think she's brilliant. She sure. makes me want to play boards. Cool. Well, she makes me want to play back catches, and I know that's not relevant because we haven't seen the cards. Yeah. But really, really excited about it. And just on a side note, I really like the dice. They're yes. my favourite guild dice so far. Do you know what dice they reminded me of? But I prefer these ones. They remind me of the Tyranid 40k dice. Not seeing them. I don't know. Oh. Tyranids. The, yeah, okay. 40k. Have a look at them. They remind me of them, apart from these ones are done properly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. And we got a little flash of the new cards, didn't we? I think that's a mock-up, though. Right. Like, I well, wouldn't put anything no, on that. I think we're going to hold fire talking about those until yeah. a little later, aren't we? But for the interests of news, we saw a flash. Um, so shall we move on? So on to the main subject of today's show, which is talking about uh, new players, being a new player, I guess. So we thought we'd start with how we started when we were new players. Um, for me, it was I got in on the Kickstarter, the stuff turned up, and I started to play. And I think I've really got two starts to this game, to be perfectly honest. Because the stuff came and I, I read the rule book a little bit. Did you? Yes, I did. But I was kind of relying on Dan to read it because he does rule books and that's fine. And we played and we played it wrong. There's no way around it. We were morons. Like absolute morons. But one of us continued playing whereas the other one just quit. Yeah. So we had a couple of games where I was fishing, Dan was butchers. And we did everything wrong. Used the guild ball symbols wrong. Because like what we were doing was we were playing... When we got a guild ball symbol, we thought that was momentum. And then if you And that allowed you to buy the ability. Yes, that allowed you to buy the character play. <laughs> so don't ask me why we thought this or why we yeah. were so sure. But it was just wrong. And also we didn't like there was one one activation I had with Shark where I scored, scored twice because <laughs> we didn't realise that scoring a goal stopped the turn. So I was like, I am good at this game. <laughs> this is like score dodge for days, get the ball again, ta- yeah, boom, easy. And then Boar, at that point, I had no idea, no clue how to play around Boar. Even though he's, like, he was one of the worst models in Season 1. But he's so hard to play. He's very... It doesn't make sense how you play against him to a new player, I think. Because he's the big damage guy. He's going to fuck you up. So naturally you want to run away from him, but really you want to go and hug him. Yeah. <laughs> you want to put a 5 model next yeah. to him and giggle. Yeah. And... I had no, yeah. not, I have no con- uh, perception of this at all. So I was, I was fish. He was butchers. I'd score, and Dan would go right, fine. What's that? You're on eight points. Brilliant. Now I'll bother, it's and then reserve. and then just murder my team. And I've kept that mindset going through the rest of my game. Life. <laughs> <laughs> so after like I think it was like two or three games, I was like, well, this isn't for me. I I just don't like it. Danky's beaming is rubbish. Um, so that was my first go at it, and then. It was really when Hunters came out in season two, and there was the new book, and I thought, right, I'm going to jump back on this. And by that point, Dan was a pundit, and was very good at easing new players into the game. So, wouldn't necessarily let you win, but would not necessarily take an optimised team, and would not necessarily take the most obvious route to victory and make this, do things so that I was able to do things with my team that I hadn't done before and, and it just worked really well 
and I think that mindset has helped certainly myself when I'm playing with new new players. Um, and I think we were lucky that we had Dan, who had actually now read the rule book and understood <laughs> how to play the game. So we had that crutch, which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, we'll come back to that. So, John, what about you? Well, I, I got bought into it by Dan again. At the club, because after X-Wing dropped out, I was really lacking a competitive small-scale game. Because at the time, I was playing Warhammer Fantasy, which I wouldn't really refer to as competitive. Or small-scale. Or, yeah, or small-scale. So, I mean, it was a, why don't you give this a go type thing. And it was alternate activations, which was different to what I was used to. There was there was just a little bit of a difference to it that made me think, yeah, well, we'll give this a go. And on the difference, I think, from when you played, uh, Dan did that once against me. And then I said to him, stop playing like that. Beat me. And he beat me 12-0, 12-2. <laughs> and then we started to learn from it. And it, that's, that's how I got into it. But I think the main thing that interests you into this game is once you read the... I mean, the way that Dan introduced the game was brilliant. The put all the cards out and say, this team does this, this team does this, this team does this. And the usefulness of having all the models was also have a look through the box. Find the models you like. Sure. Because that's instantly where I went, there's a guy riding a big mechanical spider. Sign me up. <laughs> so I took, I still remember Ballista because he's got a fucking crossbow. Ratchet because he throws dirt at people. Colossus because he's massive. And that, literally my team was built from me going, I like these models more than any others. Yeah. That's the only reason I played Engineers. And then that's why I've continued playing them because I've developed and that's how I've enjoyed doing it. Mm. The We all have very distinct different styles on teaching new players how to do things. But I think that also is very dependent on which new player you've got and your relationship with that player prior. Um, for example, teaching someone at a convention is very different from someone that you play another game at the club saying, you know that game you play a lot of? Does favour give me a demo of that? Yeah, like that. There's a time and a place for the smashing someone to get them interested. If you've got the competitive player that you know wants to learn, you beat them, mm. and then they go, "Oh, I need to learn how to beat that." That was fun. But the person that is at the show that wants a quick intro to the game, the worst thing that he wants to do is, oh, "I've just well, I've lost." Mm. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? That's, I that's, do. Yeah, that, that's the sort of thing for me. But. My introduction to it was great. Loads, loads of different themed teams that you can get behind. As soon as you've got your favourite, in my opinion, you've got your favourite. It's mm. going to be very hard to change that unless they bring out something new and shiny. You with the blacksmiths, for example. Shiny. The there's 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 that. Unless you're down and you want to play everything, because yeah. you're down. So Dan, talk us through. Well, I mean, I'm going to slightly bow out of that discussion because my because I introduced everyone else to the game, I didn't really have the instruction myself. Like, I got in on the Kickstarter, I read the rule book, albeit wrong at first, once you, like, decided you didn't want to play anymore. Because you beat me too badly. Sure. Um, <laughs> I carried on reading the rule book, and then no one else was playing, and then Sam, who's now working for Seamball. Sam Page, yeah, friend of the show. Sam Page, friend of the show, who wasn't at our club a lot, but no one at his club played Gilball. He came on, and I just played him every week. And we were training, and then there was a tournament, so we were training for that. And then after that, and he um, started playing, uh, I think he was playing SPG a bit more. Then Nick got involved, and I was just playing against him every week. And literally, it was just me grinding out games with the same people, mm. reading the rule book, keeping up on the forums, podcasts. The way I learn games is I just absorb all the information I can. Like, if there's a game going on, I'll watch it. 
on like if it's a club night, I'll just sit and watch it. I don't need to be playing. I just need to be interacting with the hobby as a whole. Mm. So I think when it comes to learning new teams, because I'm getting other people into it, it's kind of different for me. But one thing you two didn't really cover is how when you decided. So how you got into the hobby is well and good, but when you got into the hobby. How did you set about learning the intricacies of your team? Well, yeah, I was going to get on to that. Oh, like, fair enough. But I just wanted to see people to say, like, when yeah. they started. But I, so, really, I don't count that first start as a start. So, mm. my first start, let's say, was Hunters. And it was because they were the new and shiny. Yep. They were, and they are, well, a little bit tricksy. They've been made yep. better recently, a lot better. By the time, a little bit tricksy. Um, so, it was just, first off, it was just playing games, you did the introduction league at the club, so it was playing players of an equal level, uh, and just playing. I don't really know what else to say, really. He was just getting your reps in, really, wasn't it? And thinking about the game. and I think for us, we were very lucky. At the, 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 at the time we wanted to, inverted commas, get everyone involved, it was the time that everyone wanted to get involved. Mm. I think that it was you basically ran two pods of a league of, was it six or eight? Uh, it was eight in each pod, one on a Wednesday, one on a Sunday. Yeah, so of the two pods, bearing in mind that's 16 players, that's very rare for other clubs to be able to all of a sudden 16 people pick up a game. Mm, Out of that 16, I don't think 16 picked up the game, but it was definitely above 10 that picked up the game. So that's a lot of new starters for anyone to do. And we had a range of the teams, there was that about. So it was quite cool being able to play your game, finish, go and stand at another table and not see either your team or the other team you've just played being played mm. that's quite cool to go and watch because if you go and watch even other game systems now you'll finish your game you'll go and watch someone else's game next to you and it's exactly the same thing because that's what's inverted commas in the meta at the moment and Google is very non-meta in my opinion I'm sure some thresher discussion will come up later on when we get to that because people just need to get good but there, there is that Google's also in a nice place where it's I'm going to have to word this very carefully because it might be incorrect. <laughs> but when you've got like a player with a playbook, those playbook results appear in every team. So if you see a more player, even if you don't play more, if you see a more player dodging off one person into another, hitting a character player, and, like when you see a chain of events that use the playbook specifically, you can then take that and apply it to your team. Like I appreciate another... All games uh, models use the same rule system, but in other rule systems, an action is not as open-ended as Guild Ball. Yeah. Whereas, like, in, say, 40k, it's like, this unit is shooting that unit. Like, you can go over to someone else's table and be like, that unit is roughly equivalent to my unit of this type, I should be targeting that unit. But with Guild Ball, it's like, you've got all of these options, and watching other people take the same or similar options even if not playing your team helps more than I think in any other game system. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Interesting. Well, so once we'd sort of done that league, and it was just, at that point for me, it was just about getting the reps in. It wasn't about, like, tactics. It Really, to be perfectly frank, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about trying to uh, get that good, if that's, that sounds weird. But it was, for me, it was actually just trying to learn the basics of the game. That there's influence. That there's counter-attacks. Because I would always forget that. And healing. I would always forget healing and still do. Um, it was just trying to get those things down for me. And I think, I don't know, if I, I think that's what new players should be doing is getting those basic things. Before you start trying to chain all the, co- like, 
this yeah. player does this and combo with this and if I do this this happens just get your basics right like how far do they move okay if they do this that okay right they can get out of this tackle zone <laughs> tackle, ah, that's a good point to mention when we first played in my head I was like well it, it'll be like blah blah and it took me ages to get my head around the fact that I wasn't playing blood bowl. That will sound <laughs> ridiculous to a lot of people, but it was hard for me. It's a very different mindset. In blood bowl, you I, I appreciate I've only recently started sure. blood bowl, but you have to be very careful with the person with the ball. Yes. They are like glass. You are holding this person like right, there is no way anyone can do anything to this person with the ball. Whereas in Gilbert you're just like I'm going to charge it. Yeah. Like, the ball's going down, you're it, and I'm charging your most dangerous player, I'm bouncing off, it's going to be brilliant. And it took me ages to wrap my head around that. It's going to sound bonkers. But exactly as Dan says, I was like, right, well, I, I need the, the ball at the back to then go for the big kick and then the then the run into the to the goal. But in Blood Bowl, because it's not alternate activation, I could do that. Whereas here, I was like, I'd be kicking the ball up the field and then I'd be like, well, wait a minute, I've now got a player with the ball in the middle of their half and they've still got three players to go I don't understand this they're just going to get the ball off me and it took me ages to wrap my head around that concept which sounds dumb because it is but once I managed to switch like my Skaven blood bowl off I was fine yeah but yeah just getting the basics down I think was really helpful and that's what that league gave me like it wasn't giving me like cool tactics or anything or tech as you guys like to say the one thing that I found really tough at the club uh, and trying to encourage other people to do things was people that had got new players at Guildhall I think one of the worst things for them to do is to watch one of the streamed games and take that as what you need to do because they will see a team play that team and because they don't know the synergy of that team struggle with that team Right. There has been so many people where I would much prefer when I'm teaching someone to do... I remember you didn't show me the cards, you showed me the models first. And I picked my six by going, he was like, here's your two captains, choose one. Chose Ballista. Here's your two, like, here's your mascots, choose one. Okay, cool, I'll have to bug the blows up, please. Here's all of the players, choose them. Playing the models individually and learning what the characters do is so much more important than watching person at the top have these six, therefore play these six because the others are bad. In Guild Ball, there are hardly any bad players. <laughs> I was going to say none, but really couldn't. Well, I mean, there are players that are, say, suboptimal, but at the end of the day, all players have dodges, all players have a tackle, all players have damage. They will have tack value. You can leverage any player, yeah. even if they have a blank back of the card and blank, blank uh, character plays. Like, they're not going to be a good player, but they still do that playbook. They still do. I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's, that's my mindset of it. Hmm. The best... Um, we were talking... I guess we are progressing on to new players and tips on how to do it. Well, I, I wasn't, actually. I was, no? My next point was going to be... the. So, I'm playing Hunters in the league. I'm just trying to know, work out how the game plays. Yeah. Like, what I need to do. G- general tactics. Not specific to Guild, but general... Ta- like we mentioned, like, you can't kick the ball up to the middle and just think you're going to be fine like stuff like that yep. and so then I'm I've kind of wrapped my head around these things and I'm thinking Hunters is hard I see other people with more influence and I feel like I need more influence so I switch from Hunters to Masons and after one game felt like I was a much better player <laughs> I wasn't 
But the perception was I had more influence, so I was doing more things, and it seemed like I was doing more things successfully because it was effectively easier than... I wasn't playing Hunter's right. Yeah. So it felt easier to do that. One of the tips I try and give every new player I teach is it, it's not correct going forward as you are become a better player, but the one of the things I try and get every new player to do is look at your influence you want to try and turn every point of influence into a point of momentum, or as close as you can to get that. I remember that was good advice. I remember that because at the end of the day, your momentum playbook results are what you want to be doing, is what your team wants to be doing. Fish want to be dodging, mm. but just want to be dealing damage. So, the closer you get to one influence for one momentum, is generally how to play your guild. Mm. Yeah, but it wasn't until I switched to Masons that I felt this is. I can't think of another way to say it, but I felt freer to experiment with my team like I would switch out union choices like and that which I hadn't done in Hunters at all I'd sort of kept with the six but I was changing up my six and like oh yeah this is cool and I was having a lot more fun yeah um, and I that's where I started doing the because I was taking snake skin because I loved snake skin and I was doing the kick um, and then the shadow like charge them tackle the ball and score on first activation because at that point not many people well at the club people weren't doing that Yep. So I was kind of like, I'm pretty amazing in this game because I'm doing that. Um, no, I can't do it, but that's that's irrelevant. At the time, <laughs> I thought I was a baller. Um, but but that it was wasn't until I, I don't know, may, maybe it's just me, but like the confidence thing. I had to like win a couple of games before I felt confident in experimenting and trying more interesting ways of playing the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. What helped me the most is you guys. So once I felt a bit more confident, um, it was like, right, well, I need to play better players and just get punched in the face till I do better. Um, but for me, the turning point was when I got my alchemists. Because yeah. I think the hardest thing, and we'll talk about it a bit later, but the hardest thing for me was picking a guild. I mean, I know why you, you know, you've spoken while you got your engine. Mine was easy. I've yeah. not changed. Day one, boom. I mean, Dan, you started Butchers, had Brewers, now Union, now maybe Masons, I don't know. But you... Hunters next week, Morse week after. <laughs> yeah. Rat but, catchers are coming. Never know a sub-guild. But, so you were saying the, the the good things about having all the models. The bad things is, I don't know how many times I've messaged you guys going, I'm pretty sure I'm switching guilds. I'm pretty sure if I load up my phone, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. like I'm Pretty going, much every week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I really fancy this. Oh, I fancy this. And I'll message Dan going, oh, I've had an idea for this tactic for this team. It's like, I want to play all the guilds all the time. And that's a problem. But because I'm lazy, I didn't paint anything. Then I won those alchemists. So I was like, right, I'm training hard for alchemists. I'm actually going to have tournaments. And I think, I don't know, maybe for new players, that's not a bad goal to set yourself to be comfortable to go to a tournament. Because I wasn't comfortable when I went. Well, I think uh, enrolling in a tournament, whether you're ready for it or not, is a good way to start. Okay. Find well, one like three months from the current date. The one that you obviously know people going to, like if you've got a club, like you've got four people going down to. Uh, if you, you know three of the global players are going to an event in three months' time, be like, I want to go to that event. Enroll, and then you've got an impetus to get not be rubbish. It. Which yeah. is exactly what you guys did for me, because it was what, was, what was it called? Feel... Field of Screens. Field Yeah, so you said, right, we're going. And I was like, we're fine, we're going, I was good. <laughs> so, got my nicely painted alchemists. And I 
asked uh, Dan and John to effectively be my Mr. Miyagi. So they came around here and we set up and just, I played each of them like, a few times and the other one wrote notes, which may sound a bit bonkers, but it, it kind of worked really well, I thought. Like, I, well, it worked well for me, thank you very much. Um, I got better. Yes, I am not brilliant, but I got better. Yeah. Because playing a couple of games, like, what was it, four games in a day or whatever, which is the first time I'd done it, things stuck in my head. Suddenly, I, I didn't need to look all the time at, like, the playbook results because you just knew what you were getting on three or four and you knew you needed three with Vitriol and then you only actually needed one art. You know, it just made it much easier. It was in my head. It helped my clock massively. Again, another thing that's yeah a well, big deal. We are actually moving on to... Th- you guys don't know about this, oh, okay. but someone's messaged me while we're recording Ooh, hello, and Rico. asked a question that you've not wrote down yet. Oh, marvellous. And I think you've nearly covered it already, so well done. <laughs> All right. But okay. Aaron uh, Wilson messaged me and said, one of his questions is, what advice would you give to newer players who are looking to attend their first event but are too nervous to do so? Ooh. So you guys have pretty much summed up how you would deal with it. Find some friends, just do it. Yeah. Uh, I can't... I mean, me... I've not got a problem with nervousness and turning up to events because I've been doing events since I started hobbying and gaming and everything else. Mm. But I know from the club there are people like yeah. like that with that nervousness. Trust me, of all of the communities to do it in, Guildball is the one. Well, you sign up to an event, you're going to have a great time. Even if you lose all your games, you, trust me, it is the place to try it out. That See, I am that guy. Barring a uh, ill-fated human dwarf blood ball match, Games Day 1994, um, which I won't go into. The, Please don't. Um, that Field of Screams was my first c- competitive tournament thing ever. And I was I like, I don't get nervous. I'm absolutely fine with like people and stuff. I, did, I don't care. But I was nervous. And it was weird. I don't know why. But you guys like helping me out... Um, and training me up, I felt I'd be okay. Not like, don't, don't get me wrong, I never went in there going, well, I'm going to win this. That wasn't my intent. Yeah. My intent was to go and not make a dick of myself. Yeah. I think I was very lucky game one that I had a player who wasn't experienced. And we'd just been playing and playing and playing. And I just felt like I was ready for this guy. Like He put stuff down. I was like, bish, bash, bosh. One in 18 minutes. Gilball's easy. Whoa. Yes, I got smashed later, but that's not the point. That's not the point of the story. <laughs> the point of the story is that I went along, I had a really nice time, and it was fine. You know? Yeah. But I don't know, what do you say? Like, someone who's never been, that was me. I had you guys. Yeah, no, no. So but my, people... t- my tips for it, and the thing that you'll see is, um, I think we've discussed this, we are probably one of the only clubs that play their games all on the clock. Oh, good point. There is... Every other club that I've spoken to, or anyone that I spoke to about it, they're like, oh, well, we'll not come to the club. What? And we've got chess clocks at the club for the purpose of, what's the point in not playing it on the clock? Because otherwise you're going to take three hours and then you're just you're not going to... It's not going to be... You're not going to learn as much as you do while you're on the clock. If you clock out at the club, you carry on playing because you go, oh, cool, I would have clocked out here, but let's just see how the game progresses and goes on. It's not a tournament environment, so you don't have to do dice down or anything like that. But we play that on the clock. Get playing on the clock. If you're not playing on the clock, do it. It's more fun. You learn more. There are certain players also that interact very differently on the clock. Stuff like Brick, stuff like Tenderizer. Yes. Yeah. Where especially the counter charge models or models that have a lot of thought behind them. Yeah. Uh, just are an entirely different animal on the clock. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that when I put compound in, 
Yeah. You can you see it on the clock. You see the time difference. Well, I've well, recently I've been playing pin vice, which is nearly unheard of for me. Mm. But I've been trying the pin vice. I've been trying compound locus and vet velocity. All of them nowhere near what I've been playing previously. But it's all interesting stuff to see people's reactions to things clockwise with that because of the counter charge, because of locus's gravity well, because of all of those different things. It's really interesting to watch that. Mm. But Playing things on the clock. If you're not playing on the clock, buy a chess clock. Yeah. Play on the clock. Or Trust download me. the app. Yeah. yeah. Do you know? So you know, answer to Forest Rambo. I actually think that probably might be the top tip. It's play um, on the clock. Play on the clock, and again, like it sounds a very throwaway advice of just do it. But there isn't really another. Well, there's only one thing. I, well, two things I probably would add. Yeah. Learn your cards. Yes. Your team's cards. There has been so many players that I've played at tournaments that will be... They'll know what they want to try and achieve when they're going into roll uh, attacks against my characters, but they roll their dice, they pick up their card, they choose their play. They pick, they roll their dice, they look at their card. They roll their dice, they look at their card. If you're not sure what your card does, that's fair enough. Like, that's fair enough. Or sometimes when you're waiting for your opponent to roll because you need to work out what they're trying to achieve, then fine. Pick up a card and have a look at it. But have the knowledge of certain players that this is my killy player. Generally speaking, I want to roll one success or three successes or this. Just to pick up those results. Yeah, Especially if you're going to grind it out. Because if you're going to turn around and do the ballista thing of, oh, cool, I need, I've, I'm even going to get non-momentous one on one or I'm going to get momentous two double push on three. That's what you need to know. You need to know where they are. If he's killing, that's what I'm doing. Therefore, that's what I need to roll. Because it just helps you get in the flow of things. My tackle is on X. This is my football. Like, my striker has this. I'm, my tackle is on 1. I am going for my tackle, therefore I need to know my tackle. Mm. Like, I'm not saying learn the playbook, revise the playbook, and be able to go non-momentous 1, then there's the tackle, then there's the this. Then Although, there's if you can, do it. <laughs> yeah, if you want. If you want it. If you want it. It's not right. Right. I mean, Dan has. I used to know my entire rage team before they changed it all. <laughs> I know. Like, well, you've, you've heard about me. One on one on one and momentous two double push on three. Nothing else as matters. far as as far as I'm concerned for Ballista, if I'm rolling that, I'm hopefully fucking rapping. So mom one on one, non momentous push on two, mom two on three, uh, mom guild ball on three. No, sorry, mom double guild ball on three. Non mom tackle, non mom KD, mom single guild ball gutter. <laughs> <laughs> Only playbook you need to know. I'm not even going to check it's right. I'm sure he is. I'm sure, I'm sure it's right. Well, dear listeners, so, uh, robertpodcast.com. So that's, that, that's one thing, making sure that you know your cards. And what I did, which I've now veered off from doing, but I found really useful, and I've seen other people at the club start picking up now, is if you don't own... you, Well, it's different now because you should own all the cards because after you buy the Season 3 pack of cards, you get everyone's cards. That's in production. But otherwise, how much people... But you wouldn't have farmers and blacksmiths, but no, I have them on my phone. What I'm saying is... Yeah. Get get an app or all the cards of your opponent's cards just so you're not surprised. Yeah. Don't think that your opponent is going to tell you everything. Nine times out of ten they will because most of the people in the community are lovely but you'll always get that guy that will tell you about the unpredictable movement as you finish your movement. There is nothing more disheartening than someone going, oh, you've finished your movement, I'm going to unpredictable move when there has been no discussion about an unpredictable move at the start of the game. That's what I found at the start. Now I know all the little bastards that have got it but also I don't think it's 
beholden to that. It depends on the. T- this is it. It depends on the type of game or type of person. Whether it's beholden to you to go. Oh, by the way, this what your win ratio is. Yeah. <laughs> But True. also, having the cards is important because people do get things wrong. And I had that in a in a game, as you guys know. We, we've, we've all had it. Where he, I had a butcher player who was using fillet all wrong and oh. was dishing out. It was meant to be the bleed condition, but he said it was bleed damage. So instead of... So on four successes, he had momentous th- three to... To the everyone, world. yeah, to the world. What? Yeah, and I, and in, and instead, it was like my it was my first tournament. So instead of being the guy I normally am, where I was like, oh, "Can we just hold on a minute?" Because I think you're being a cunt. <laughs> I, instead of doing that, I was like, "Oh, I'm sure you're right because this is my first event and I know nothing." So I just let it happen, and everyone died, and I was like, "Oh, okay, which is a tough, good game." So you've had one of my tournaments. This is how much people get it wrong. I played Mother wrong the whole tournament. And it was only in my last game that my opponent corrected me. Admittedly, it's my card. I should have read the fucking card. But I was going on the assumption that Dan told me it right. <laughs> I think I was thinking of a playtest version. <laughs> Which was, rather than the nest markers dropping a dice, we made everything plus one target, t- number. target number. So it meant that all of my models just became plus one death for standing next to it. <laughs> So Hoist was sitting at five one, going ooh, and you still lost, and I still lost. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's that I think certainly until you get more comfortable with them, having your opponent's cards in front of you or on your phone or some such thing, I think is great. They're not not because they're necessarily cheating, but people get things wrong. It is yeah. that simple, and I you know, and also if you don't know their armors and you don't know their defense, when something I obviously didn't do when I started. But after training with you guys a bit and doing our pub games and more training days, I started to really think about, right, I'm tack five. If I am hitting someone who is armour two, I can only ever get maximum three results. That's a lie. You always think, I am going to get three results. <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> but, and I know this sounds, I know that sounds ridiculously simple, but I know for a fact when I, that very first tournament I went to, because I'm on the clock and because I'm playing and because I'm not really thinking about it, I think I had Vitriol trying to dodge away from Strongbox, crowded out. So she was down to tack four, and I think I was looking for the clone because the sets, you know, it was, I can't, it might have been my. You physically couldn't hit the yeah, result. Yeah, I you physically were... couldn't hit yeah. the result I wanted. And with like being on the clock and playing and blah, 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 I didn't see it because I'm a moron. But that, I for me, was a a good learning you know it was a teachable moment I fucked up I'm not going to do it again one of the biggest things to learn not so much for new players this is a development point after you've had after you've bagged your first tournament stuff like that learning when to counter attack is massive so if you can nail that when I learn that I'll tell you <laughs> it is it's something that I still struggle with today knowing which one I'd rather counter attack on do you want to especially on things that have got for example close control and glut mass it's when do you want to counter attack when does it make the most sense to do it and stuff mm. like that? That's what I'm still struggling with. I, I think that could probably be an episode in its own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do time. that next one to Canada. Yeah. That's what that's what Aaron asked. Yeah, cool. And, and you guys started covering it before I asked oh, the question. So, yeah, so, so, there you go, Aaron. Uh, new players, get on, sign on and do it. Actually, a good, great example. We've got John, haven't we, at the club? John LeFan. Oh, right, yeah. He's, he's decided that he's signing up to Vengeance. He's not done a Guildhall tournament yet. But he's, he said... Is, he going he, to is that his first yeah. one? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. He's like gone balls to the wall. He's like, yeah, fuck it. If I'm going to jump in the deep end, I'll do vengeance. Well, I'm only going to play seven games in a row or whatever it is. So no, fuck it. Why not? Two days, boom, done. John's a good example because he came into 
came into it a few months ago, and he he started with Hunters, didn't he? Fish was his first. Oh, it was Fish's first. I think he's on Hunters now, though, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Um, and he was kind of like, I want to play and get punched in the face and I'll get better. But there are some players that are not going to respond well to that kind of uh, game. Yeah. And it's weird. I'm thinking, thinking about it. I put myself in the, I want to be punched in the face and I'll get better camp. But if I actually look at it honestly, when... Dan was training me up back in the day. He gave me easier games to start with. Yeah. And to be fair, that was incredibly helpful because it gives you the time because we weren't on the clock in those very early ones. Yeah. Um, maybe like the first two we weren't on the clock and then you were like, you're playing on the clock. I was like, okay, Dan. Um, but it gives you the space to actually use your place because when you are playing someone who is effectively punching you in the face on the on the pitch you're actually not going to use your players. You're not going to get to use your character players. You're not going to mm-hmm. get to run up and see how far this player can do and what can happen. So I might have to go back on what I said. And I think it is a mixture of the two. I th- I do think you have to... not. not you're we- you've got to wean people into it. So, for example, yeah. when I say smash them in the face, I mean take the team that they see you playing normally. So what's yeah, the, that's a good what's, point. What's the point team in selection? Someone, someone wants to learn to play. They're asking to get better. They know that Dan is respectively playing Union a lot, you're playing Alchemist a lot, and I'm playing Engineers a lot. They come up to all of us at the club. They're like, oh, cool, what are you going to play? I turn around and say, I'm going to play Brewers against you. I'm going to play Fish against you. I'm going to play something else. They're going, well, he's not going hard on me. And then even if you are playing hard, you're not playing hard with a team that you're going well with. So with Engineers, at least if I know that if I play Ballista, I might mix up a little bit and say, oh, I'm going to try something different today, chuck Salvo in because I don't like Salvo, and be like, I can see what I can try and do with Salvo. I can then try and like maybe allocate some influence a little bit differently. Don't give Ballista six, because yes. otherwise I just get to delete someone. I chuck four on Ballista, and then just non-optimally distribute my influence, which then still means that they're seeing that they're playing the right team. I can, if, for example, they go six nil up, I can then just go flick the switch back the other way, put six on blister and put them put them in their place for a turn and then they go, oh shit, like, that can happen. I don't mean to turn around and, I mean, it's very, I would be very impressed if someone could turn around and go 12-0 because that's not going to happen. But there's still yeah. no point in someone learning and going 12-2 unless it is a really tough game. Guildwood scores don't mean much but I think you get what I mean. Yeah. There are, again, I think it's probably a different topic to be honest but there are some things that I always do when I'm bringing new players into the game. Uh, Percentage-wise, I found that the grand majority of players don't respond well to being slapped in the face for first game. And that makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. So when I'm giving we are starting uh, games, I tend to always play something with a low def like Brewers or Masons because if you play like, the entirely 5-0 team, they're never going to hit the top end of the playbook. Mm. And that's where all the fun stuff is. Uh, I tr- stay away from fully loading my captain and fully loading players in general because sometimes that can be a very uninteractive experience. I stay away from tool up because tool up, as good as it is, and we all know it's fucking amazing, is one of the having someone just say three damage, three damage, three damage, three damage, four to six times is not a fun or interactive way to play. Yes, I've played you in tournaments; it's fine. <laughs> you not played me yet? No, but I have I played have. Dan. It was awful. Yeah. No, oh not. yeah, you were mean. You were mean to Dan. <laughs> that should be enough. That's got to be a topic all of its own, like tournament persona. Dad gets John. John. Yeah. But anyway, but tournaments so, change people, man. So, but what it's, I think what we're saying fundamentally is we're kind of giving tips to 
other players on what you should do for beginners. We're not really That's saying why it's a slightly different topic, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But generally, it is like I suppose. What we said, what we said before, was the tips for the new players. If Get you're on the clock, learn your card. Yeah. Boom. Like, exactly. And and but basics of the game as well. Yeah. Actually, you know, there's quite a few posts on Gubs recently of people asking. I don't want to say silly questions because that's a, that's a dumb thing to say, but I've said it. Um, just look at your rule book. Like, my, pretty much everything's in there. There's plenty of rules clarifications. Um, there are flowcharts. Yeah. Lovely flowcharts that are beautiful. Yeah. That um, do things and work. And, you know, as I've already said, I got the rules completely wrong when I started, yeah. you know. So, and but that's, I put that on me because I didn't read the rule book properly. I still haven't read it. I also remember um, the second time you started, I had Felix coming to me saying, edges are broken. How can anyone say they're, <laughs> yeah. they're bad when he, you were auto-hitting character plays and knockdown wasn't classed as a condition? Yeah, we... What? Wait, what? Felix and I had like a really quick like train little training game here and we were doing it even more wrong than Dan and I were doing it. Salvo was only one influence to knock someone down and that wasn't a condition so you could only stand up. It was ridiculous. Don't, don't. People get things wrong all the time. Is the crux? We were, it Sorry, was really, can't. it was really late, and we'd been playing. Um, was it Spartan Space Armada game with the worst rulebook in the world, and our heads were frazzled. Don't. It doesn't even count. Oh, I remember that. You but mean. yeah, I was auto hitting character plays. Sure. But don't ask. Yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. Clock. Yeah. The other thing actually, I would say is what you read on Gubs take with a pinch of salt, because at the moment. There is a lot of stuff that's on there that I that we've had discussions about outside of this, and I would uh, experience it yourself before listening to what everyone sure. else says on there. Uh, Fresh is a broken, get good. <laughs> on a practical note, <laughs> uh, some good widgets are very helpful for a new player. Yep. Get yourself Agreed. some nice widgets. Put the tape measures away. Oh but, God! But, when but I, when I, I was cleaning out, um, I actually found a couple of. Uh, I think they're Taylor's tape measures, oh, where yeah. they're literally just floppy. I was like, I could bring those to a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I do hate a <laughs> tape measure. Widgets. Frozen Forge ones you guys have got. No, I've, I've, got, I've got Art of War. No, I think he means the Wigglies. Oh, so my yeah, my, wig, my widgets are Art of War, and my Wigglies were Frozen Forge. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Widgets. Grant Art of War does great ones. The uh, Muson ones. Are, is the Muson ones good? I've not tried the music ones. Otherwise, you have the big thick rulers. Yeah, I like them ones. I like them a lot. Um, so, on a side note, there may be some background noise as my beautiful wife is making us all hazelnut hot chocolates. So we're just going to ignore the microwave and just keep talking because uh, <laughs> that's how we roll at roll better. But muse on muse on stuff for widgets. Art of War for widgets. They're both they're both really good. And then. The wiggly templates, I cannot stress, they are good. There is nothing more frustrating than someone telling you that they can get somewhere and then you offering them templates and proving they can't. Yeah. I think that's probably more of an advance. If you're in tournaments, yes, but I think if you're a new player starting out, you don't need to break out the wiggly straight off. No, no, but as in getting yourself a nice set of templates is always good. Yes. Take measures away, leave them at home. They're good for measuring distances for a new shelf. (laughs) Or Thresher's Threat. (laughs) Yeah. Roughly infinite. You don't need a tape measure. It's fine. <laughs> oh my god. This is not spreading to the podcast. People need to learn. No, I was commenting on purely the fact that I think that uh, Alex Spots on the uh, world stream was using a tape measure. Oh, yeah, for he was, wasn't he? Threshers what? Threshers. I think all the Chicago guys use it for distances over 10. See, I've got for a 12 distance, intruder for, for that. Distances over 10. Fine. 
Alright, I'll let them have that sure. one. No, I, I, I just don't like the tape measures on a Gilbert pitch. The tape measures just bring flashbacks of horrible games where people measure above the model, lift the model, move the tape measure. And it just makes me want to... So, back to new players. So, so, I do think it's important to to get people to understand... Just, sort of, not maths, that's wrong, but... Like, I made the mistake before of always thinking, I'm going to hit everything I want to hit. I know that sounds dumb, but I did think, I, I'm just going to hit it, it's going to be fine. Maths on a 4-1 model. Yeah. Yeah. And when we... So, theorying is one thing, and actually getting there is very different. I mean, you know, I've never been to a tournament where I haven't missed two five-dose goals. It's just how it goes. <laughs> Which, statistically, I shouldn't do, but I always do. So, I always plan to fail, and... I don't know. I kind of like that op- that approach. I think, just in general, in gaming as a whole, not just in Gilboy, it's more important to work out what happens if it goes wrong than if yeah. it goes right. Yeah, that's a good. That it, is a good. If way it goes to... wrong, are you going to lose the game over it? If yes, then it might not be the best thing for you to do. Yeah. If it goes wrong, it's going to be a bad situation, but I can come back from it. Then it's worth the risk. Like risk analysis of it turning around and going, if this doesn't work, I'm going to lose. It's mm. generally a bad thing. Mm. But, but back to new player thing. And one one thing I would say is you cannot theory a game of Guild Ball. No. But it you can get have a pretty good stab at your first turn. I find. No, I agree with that. I think it's one of the only bits you can. Yes. On the on the receive, it's one thing. On the kick, it's another. And I think if you can start to wrap your head around that, I think it helps you generally. You know, later on in the game, like influence allocation, I found super hard. When I was playing my hunters and I only had the 10, and I was like, well, what do, who do I give what? It's really hard. So I had to give a lot of thought to that first turn. And that's, I think that's helped me later. So now, if I'm playing my elves, and I've got better with blacksmith, so my first turn on them is the same as well. It's like, I just go, it's done. I know who's getting what and why. Yeah. And I think you can theory that out a lot. You can sit there and, and think about it when, you know, without actually having to play. So, I, I don't know, for me, I'd say to new players, think about your first turn, because I love the kick shenanigans. Very, very guild-dependent as well with that. Very, because certain, certain people do certain things, and then it's you need to make sure, are you a player that can score first turn, If and and on the flip side of that, are you playing against a team that is going to stop you scoring first turn, etc. Et yeah. So it's all very match-up dependent, but having a good idea of what you want to achieve in turn one is yeah. probably the best way to learn it. But that sort of theory stuff, like, did they kick with Obulus? Yes. When you recover the ball, if you kick, do you really want to kick it to a player? Because he can just puppet master it off. You know, it's it's stuff like that. You can start to theory out. And as you guys know, I like to go for the first first activation goal after the kick. So I play players that can do that. Um, and you can plan to do it, and you can plan to block it. Mm-hmm. So planning your first turn, I think, is something that I would say to new players to give a go to. Definitely. Yeah, sort of leads into questions. We've got several new player questions, one of which was, what do you do on your first turn? So we go to the questions. Uh, Mr Paul Waters says, what's one thing you wish you knew when you started playing? John, come to you. The dam was lying that it was cheap. <laughs> do, do explain. You only need to buy one team. You can get. You can play this game with six models. Said Dan. Said Dan. I wasn't wrong. He's not. Yeah, I was going to say he's not wrong. But no, I, I don't know. I think the only thing that I probably would have liked is a nut. Well, I've learned it now. But the alternate activations. 
it was weird going to a game with alternate activations. It seems more natural now I'm playing it, <laughs> and it seems like it works a lot better. But playing a uh, play, coming from games where there was never that, it was weird. As in, it was weird to try and tie tie it to a game. So, are you trying to say you, you wish you were better at when you started playing? If you could go, if you could go back and tell your young self, what would you tell yourself? Not, hey, look, there's alternate activations. Yeah, not sure. <laughs> Probably a shit answer. Hashtag content. Yeah. Is it that whatever you do, they are going to be able to interact with? You can't have the uninteractive. More, uh, okay, more more the chest area of you can't play one activation at a time. You have to think three activations ahead. You need to be able to know that once my model has finished X, they're going to do something. The, the, yeah. The, yeah. So everything you do, they're going to get a reaction to. That's probably the best way to put it. Cool. Um, rather rather than there's all yeah you're right. Rather than alternate activations, it's the Remember when I when you react when you act there will be a reaction because you can't unless you're pinned by do two in a row. Yeah. Or harmony. Yeah, or harmony. I'm not sure. Um, I think mine's or hard. <laughs> I think mine's kind of similar. In it, I wish I could tell myself it's not blood bowl. Like <laughs> I, I, intellectually, I, I knew it wasn't blood bowl. I didn't think they were the same game, but breaking out of that of the habit was really hard and I I funnily enough I think it does tie in with yours I think that I think that would be it that yeah yeah the the other thing I wish I could tell myself is so well it was a game against you funnily enough John oh here we go where I, so you Why were I a prick? funnily enough no you All were right. funnily enough engineers sure and I was alchemists and again back I'm going to keep referencing it blah blah when you're in the t- enemy tackle zones, bad things happen and you have to dodge out. Da, 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 da. But there was a game we were playing and Compound had sort of come up in the middle and then, and you let me, so I was going to do something and you said, are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, why, what are you talking about? And you had shown me how Midas could run up the middle of the pitch and bounce off this person and then end them and bounce off that person and then I'd been in goal range. And, but now it seems perfectly obvious that that's how the game works. And, it, and I knew about, you know, I, well, I can hit that and then dodge. But I hadn't actually really done it until that point. And it was like, I think, so I think one thing I would all, I would say to myself when I started playing was always give it a measure. That's you in a nutshell now. That Yeah, to be fair, that is like, I will always do it. I think I, there's not a game I go past where I don't hear you say, I don't think I can do it, but I have to measure. <laughs> yeah, and it was from that game yeah. that I played with you. Where it turned out that like Midas could run up the middle, bounce off. I don't know who it was. Forget. I think it was Ballista. Probably. And once I'd done the bounce, I was suddenly in range. I mean, you look at the board, and I was like, "Well, there's, there's absolutely no way my player can get there." But he could. So, for me, one thing I wish I knew is always give. I should always give it a measure because just because it looks up, don't mean it is. Yeah. So I think that's my one. I think I probably have. Maybe two, but uh, sure. the first one would be um, learn to take part in blows. It's something that's very not intuitive for <laughs> new players. It took me ages to get my head around it, but there are some models where it's just literally okay to take a part in blow. If you come from D&D, if you come from anything like that, attacks, you never want to take a tactical opportunity. You're always looking for the way to get around it. But sometimes, uh, like 
there's just no reason not to. Like yeah. you're you're engaged by velocity, you've not got the ball, just walk off. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. One damage. <laughs> and I have so I've noticed me doing that with my blacksmiths. Which is I don't know, like I don't know if it's because I feel better with their arm or whatever, but I should still feel fine when people are like five oh walking away, but yeah, I've definitely picked up on that from you that I have started doing that more, which is good because I was stacking a bit of that camp. Like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to give them the free hit. The bit that you when you that made it more relevant to me was when you taught me that the the crowding out issues. So when you're trying to kill something, taking the parting blow from one person to gain a dice. You work so hard to make sure you're crowding someone out and getting extra dice on them, but you always, well, for me, at the times, I was forgetting to take, for example, Blitters on 17 with Tough Hide. I was worried about taking two damage because when I walked away, I was getting extra dice on someone. And I was like, why don't I just walk away? Yeah. That's a good one. The other ones would probably uh, uh, would be, when I was starting, I was very much concerned with what I'm doing with my influence. Whereas I think the step between like a good player and a good player that's like getting better is momentum management, not influence management. Mm, interesting. Knowing point. when you need to bonus time, when you need to counterattack, all these things will only and, come with time. And when you take, for me, it was when you take dodges, because I know when I started yeah. playing, I was oh I've got a momentum point. I bet I better keep it. And it wasn't until I actually started dodging around the board on yeah. the pass or the receive that my football game actually worked. And it's again, it sounds bonkers to think about it now, but when I got received the ball, I would never have considered dodging because it was a momentum point. But now, if you are new, get that... Sh- it's on the website, I know that much. <laughs> get the cheat sheet of what you can do with momentum, have it printed out, and when you make a... If you're not playing on the clock, when you make an action, look, I've passed the ball, I get a momentum, can I do anything else? Hmm. I want. I can dodge forage on either of these models. Would that be beneficial to me? Yeah. And then the last one I'd say is... It's more of a throwaway, really. 4-1 is indestructible. <laughs> yeah. Like... It really is. Damn four one models. Yeah. Learn your maths on trying to kill a four one. Don't expect higher than the second column. And when it doesn't work, <laughs> don't that's worry just how four one models work. Yeah. <laughs> Even if they have got a vengeance token and your vet cat going in on a poison Friday, she's got four health left, and you whip everything. But let's not let's not worry. Spikes about that. happened. If we didn't want spikes to happen, we'd be playing chess. Which I did consider. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's good. Yeah, good points. Uh, moving on to Henry Clark's question: Should you let new players win? Yes. Depends. Ninety-five percent of the new players. Depends yes. on the person. Okay. And depends on, like I say, it depends on. Do you let them win. Sometimes letting them win and going easy on them yeah. and doing what we said earlier on is very different things. For example, do you let them win? No, don't let them win. Oh, uh sub-optimally yeah. sub allocate your influence and give them a game that they will learn from. Don't go in and destroy face. It's probably what I would say. If, for example, you win against them, but you've sub-optimally done it and they're learning from it and it's a really close game, it's not a bad thing to win. I don't think I've ever won a demo game. Yeah. D- <laughs> to oh, be fair... I, I have. Dan, Dan has let me... Well, but <laughs> you are very good at because I never... I was always like, well, I know you're letting me win, but I don't know how you're letting me win. Like, it's not obvious. Like, he's not going, yeah. well, have this play. Oh, I've just parted all my players from the goal, and here, have the ball. It's not like that. 
Yeah, but no, it's no, no, I, I've, 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 yeah, I've, I've seen what you mean, but I think there's a difference of opinion of I wouldn't let them win, but then it is dependent on, the, like I say, you you know the person you're demoing. Yeah, I was thinking demoing is very different to playing a new player that has just picked up the game. Yeah, once they've bought in and have sunk money to Steam for, then you beat them all you want. <laughs> they pass, they pass the point and no return. Ultimately, Dan saying, right. So should we let your new players win? Dan saying yes. You're saying no. I uh, no. I'm saying. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. I am going to come down on the yes. When I've demoed other games, well, back, back in the back in the noughties, I was playing a game called Heroclix. <laughs> and uh, I would, at the comic shop uh, in Croydon, a place in space, fantastic comic shop, I would let people win. The new guys win Heroclix. Because then they came back and we had more people to play with. It's that simple. It, I suppose it's weird with that I never felt bad about it at all never even entered my head but I don't know with Gilball because there's a comp- more of a competitive nature to it in my head I don't know do I feel a little bit different about it I don't know that's why we let everyone play Dan first right they can play me always play Dan always play Dan but yeah that's cool uh, so James Abbott's question uh, how on earth do you have a half decent first turn as a kicking team we should stress he's playing blacksmiths yeah well, again, very situational, very hard to sum up in a sentence. Very like very hard to say what it is. It all depends, one, who you're kicking against. Yep. And then Barry will be able to elaborate on whether or not you think you'll be able to get a first-turn goal. Always. For me as a kicking team of an engineers, I don't mind kicking because I'm going to gunline you on turn one either way. And the engineers are a slightly different... Well, it's the smoke alchemist, sometimes if you're kicking, you're not going to be going for the first-turn goal, depending on who it is. It's going to be... Do you have range plays that you can interact with them before yep. you have to interact with them on turn two? If no, and you're playing brothers, how do you set yourself up for the next turn? Well, you need to know your threat ranges of where they're going to be. Can you get yourself yeah. into cover just to give yourself that extra minus one dice? There's bonkers situational stuff as well. Like, yeah. did, did the person you kicked with hit fast ground? Back in the day when Vitriol got two inches from being in cover, was there cover you could get to? Is there a terrain piece on the board that you could kick the ball to that would actually smash into it? So it meant it was actually some. I played on one table where there was a terrain piece, like I think an inch and a half past the line, and I just kicked it straight there, and it was bloody hard for them to get it. But I was like, I can get this ball anytime I want. Well, if you're kicking, what I've we spoke about a lot before, me and Dan, is having a risky kick, yeah. because if you're going to be kicking to the other team, well, we're we giving away super secret tech. I know, I've been blabbing about it for a year or so. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm winding you up. <laughs> so, when you're kicking out to the team, ultimately you need to think that the nine times out of ten, they're going to get the ball. They're going to be able to do what they want with the ball anyway. Yeah. So, what I've been doing now and is going for that really risky kick where, for example, two of your results on, on your six scatter, they might not be able to get it. Two of the other successes, for example, if you're kicking, you run up the centre of the board, diagonally or something like that, kick to the left. One and two bounce back over your line. Three and four is what you're going for. Five and six, and you're basically punting it towards yeah. their winger anyway. But that three and four result for them could be lethal. Could be putting them just out of side of where they need to be. Especially as he's playing blacksmith, so you have so many ways of retrieving balls like that. Yeah. Just pausing, because hot chocolate's in the room. We are now drinking slash eating our hot chocolate. And we shall continue as I eat marshmallows and cream. <laughs> so, you were saying like impossible kicks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's is there, that, that, is there such a thing? Yes, yes there is. So, 
for me, going for the impossible kicks is because I haven't got players I would say that are as strong as others when it comes to ball retrieval. So, for example, as a blacksmith player, if you're James, potentially looking at the people that can kill the ball from range. Because if you make it so they can't get to the ball and you can kill yeah. the ball from range, it means your kicking turn all of a sudden becomes a receiving turn. You're generating the momentum there on the back foot and then you're away hey, good to go. So, yeah, so what if you're saying, James... If you've got Cinder, you've got a 14-inch get the ball. Yeah, well, as in, this is the sort of thing we're saying to consider. So Blacksmith specifically, mm. you... They're uh, an odd, odd duck in this Yeah. One. So I think the the crux of my point would be you want to find ways to make your influence matter on turn one, whether that's Boiler can't get to the action, but what he can do is spend two influence to swift stance someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Matter. Like... You know Boyd is not going to gain any momentum, but he's going to do this one thing. Uh, and then you know your kicker what probably wants to be someone who can get momentum that turn one. Even if it's just missed, okay, the ball's not in a position where I can get it, I'm going to go dodge off someone four times to get full momentum to try and contest whatever they're going to do with the ball. Mm. Blacksmith specifically, I like kicking with Alloy because he is a model that can get momentum easily, can threaten the ball, so yeah. where it is, you punt the ball eight inches out that way. In front of where Cinder should be, but you have like one, two, three, four. You get the ball; it's across my line. Five and six, you're probably not getting the ball. Yeah, because five's running directly parallel to the line, and it's like eight inches from your goal line to there. Even if your guy's on the line directly across from the ball, they're probably not then safe from your blacksmiths. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. But, and if the kick does go my way, I just kill Cinder the first turn and then I'm receiving. Yeah. And going last. And getting another influence for blacksmiths. Which they so, need. If if I'm blacksmiths and I'm kicking, my kicking models... Sorry, I'm just watching YouTube down your watching it. If I'm kicking, I've got Alloy, Cinder and Ferrite are my options. Actually, point to note for this. Yeah, it's worth noting um, your captain choice and why, because your kick receive captain choice is an interesting one. Okay. Just because of I know the way that I know what you're going to say, right? And that's why I want you to justify it. But um, Belgian Masters has happened. One by Christian Metz. One by a blacksmith player who used ferrite yep. as the captain four games. If memory serves. And burnish once. I believe it was four round tournament. And it was burnish into no, it was, five. was it five? Okay. Five. Burnish and, it into was, and it was burnish into obulus. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's. That, I think it's worth noting. So, uh, Ferrite is the best. I was going to say, <laughs> is the best. Like. Fact. But she. Uh, so the blacksmiths need a nerve. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know, right? On the kick, she's seven. She so she's jogged. She's jogged five. Yep. She's now eleven inches away from the line. Now I'm not suggesting the sorry their goal their player line. I'm not suggesting the ball is going to be directly ahead of you, eleven inches. You know, but she can then run seven, add two for legendary. She could be quick footed. She can get a two inch melee off half. There's lots of options she can get to pretty much get nearly anywhere she needs to get to tackle the ball. And with enough imp, which she can have, she can, you know, I'm happy to give her four on the first turn. You know, I think she can get it. She can get a ball. She can. 
she can score. I think Alloy can do it. I think Cinder can do it. You know, you put instruction on Cinder, she's getting the ball. And most people do not yet play in such a way as they run the ball back behind other players. Except you. <laughs> I think, as a more general point, moving away from blacksmiths, yeah. most teams have ways of interacting turn one. They might not be yeah. obvious and they might not be average successes, yeah. but most teams have a way of doing it. Uh, I'm not going to go through for each teams, but it's looking at the little... The little bonuses you can get. For instance, like say you're playing Union. You're kicking. Uh, you kick with Fangtooth because you're awful. Um, but <laughs> you've got like Hemlock who can throw out a poison cask, yeah. which damages a target, which then increases Minx's threat. Or you're playing Butcher, you've got Boiler who's got marked target, which then will increase Shank who's also got damage target and Philic throw. Like, you've got ways of extending your threat. Yeah. You just have to look for them and try and find ways of leveraging them. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, and if the well, and if the person you're kicking to is being so uninteractive that you, you know you can't get there, then you, just you push your toys you, forward. You push your toys forward, and you set up a turn two with the knowledge of even if they're going to kick down the line, they're going to go first. They're going to be in such a bad position that you are then going to be middle of the board. Mm. But guild board, in my opinion, like the way that I'm leaning more to playing now, is who controls the middle of the board does well. If you can sit around that centre section. It means that if they score a goal, you kick the ball out to the middle of the board and you have it in your little cage and you can score easily. They can't kick the ball out when you're controlling the centre ground because they have to kick it to a player that then has to be worried about activating, for example. I like controlling the middle of the board. And if someone gives you the middle of the board by not moving near it on turn one, I'm a very happy man. Interesting. Because obviously it's a completely different way to... I will always have a player set up ready for a snapback. But... I'll set someone up for a snapback, please. <laughs> um, Knockdown, single out, dead. But they're not going to be in the middle. <laughs> no, no. See, uh, whereas I have the third thing of I like playing in my half of the pitch. Right. Well, I know you've got to commit one model at a time to coming into me. Mm. Whereas you commit one model to charge in to try and start setting up your models, I've got my entire team to respond to it. Mm. Vet rage, thug life. Yeah. <laughs> but so, but I want to go back to James's. I don't know what six he's playing. He's played basically every single he's, thing. He's he was playing mixing. box two a lot because he didn't have box one. Right. He's been mixing up a lot, though. I mean, uh, well, we'll have a chat with him when we see him. But um, I love... I, I know you guys don't like this. And I know that you've tried to talk me out of it. And I am better in... Like, when I was playing with Vitriol... Oh, my God. It was every time. <laughs> but it worked. Not always against you chaps, but against other people it worked. <laughs> what... You know, f- f- so to clarify, dear listeners, uh, the other guys are doing throb uh, impersonations. But oh, Vitrio would go up, she'd be in cover, she'd kick the ball, they would pass it to someone, and she had such a good range and threat that she would charge them, take a momentous clone, then tackle them, then score. And it worked more than it should have done. Until John started like collecting the ball with Colossus, so he would then put a giant roadblock in the way. Which meant I couldn't get round it. Collect with Colossus, pass the Velocity, stand Colossus in front of Velocity, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that stopped that, which is fine. But I could still go to tournaments and people wouldn't do, wouldn't expect it. And yeah, and it worked. Yeah, the numbers weren't always in my favour, but it just doesn't matter because I have such fun doing that. And I can still do that with blacksmiths, but not to the same degree, obviously. I need the setup first. I need half to set up alloy yep. or to set up cinder. I need that. And by that point, 
I, I so I used to panic about that, like with Vitro, like oh my god, they can move the ball away. But I'm now. She was kind of always on the sides and stuff, because that's I found where guys on the tournaments would set the cover up. If that makes sense, it was always kind of you know your fast ground and your rough grounds. You be fast ground there, your rough ground there, and people would put cover in very similar places. So I found that my vitriol position was in very similar places, no matter which tournament we went to, if that makes sense, because I was after that cover. Um, but now with Blacksmiths, I don't care about that. I can, I'm can, i happy to use the fast cut. I'm happy to go straight in the middle. So I'm just like, wherever you put it, I think I can probably get to it. Yes, I know there's teams that can come and stop that player quite happily. Like, say, Shank runs up where they go and starts smashing me or whatever. But then I can come and smash it, you know. Yeah. But I don't mind having that set up and I'll go for it <coughs> rather than first activation. I'll go for last activation, yeah. But I don't know what else to say, really. That, that's probably about that's it. That's probably it. Go for the kick. But what, one thing I would like to say is, you were talking about the, the crazy kicks. I have found when the ball goes off the pitch and they get to put it on someone... I made this mistake and I don't do it anymore, but I did and I've seen others do it. They often give it to their striker. Yeah. Which is a mistake in my opinion because you want to get the pass off for both the four inch dodge and the momentum. Yeah. And I, I just think that's an interesting point to mention that sometimes the ball goes off and people go, brilliant, well I can have it on whoever I want. Watch people's reaction to it because it doesn't happen a lot. Like, yeah. well, it's well, been that. happening more when we've been playing now because yeah. of what we've been trying. So last one I went to, I think I... Did it every round? <laughs> really? Yeah, but the person, what I'm saying is you kicked off every yeah. round, but the person's reaction yeah. must have been very similar that they're going, well, this doesn't happen normally. And when they're trying to think about where they're placing the ball, one, they're using their time, and two, they're going, well, I did. I put one on him because I thought he'd need to sprint to get the ball. Where does this one go? And it just means that they have to think a bit more. Mm. I, you know what you're doing, because yeah. funny enough, you made that kick. Yeah. You were like, damn, my 75% chance came off. It did go off the pitch. But I, think I made that mistake. I think it was like, I think I put it on Midas and it was like, no, he, he doesn't want the ball. He needs to, to receive some, the ball. Exactly. Yeah. So that maybe ties in with our new player thing also. Yeah, yeah. I was saying that think about who you give that ball to when it's free. Um, well, we shall talk to James at the club yeah. about that. But he actually also asked, at what point did you stop thinking of yourself as a new player or start to think you are really getting the hang of it? When I beat Dan. Oh, for you, was that it? Yeah. Engineers game at the pub, 12-11, closest game we've played. Yeah, that's when we forgot that uh, Smash Shins takes four inch off your kick. Yeah. 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 I was like, oh, I've won! Oh, wait, no, I haven't. Yeah. Hoist has a two inch kick right now. So you, you cheat one? Yep. Right, okay, cool. That's when I knew I was good. <laughs> Spitting out my hot chocolate. No, no, so me and Dan, I mean... Dan's a good player and it's always fun to have a competitive, uh, I would say, not rivalry as such, but competitive nature with someone that you know that is practising for the same sort of dynamic as you, where you're both going, I want to go to the tournaments, I want to do well, so let's keep grinding this out. When we were playing the Vet Rage Engineers matchup, that's when I thought I was really getting the hang of it, when we start, it stopped being 12 nils and it was turning into 12 eights, and then it was teetering around like the 12 11s, so it was getting really, really close and stuff like that. That was when I felt, oh, okay, I'm getting, I'm getting this. Mm, and cool. the, the other time as well is when I didn't have to start reading my book cards. Cool. Because really getting the hang of my team, not the game, because by that stage uh, I would have hoped after, after a fair few weeks of the game you do get the basics under your hat. I felt that I could do, deem myself a better player when I knew my cards. Okay, cool. Because that helps a lot. Yeah. 
It's probably going to my first tournament. Like, I mean, I had literally played Sam and only Sam for, I think, probably like six or seven weeks in a row. I mean, let's not forget our amazing sure, yeah. Butcher's Fisherman game back in the day. Uh, this was still Butcher's Fish. Uh, <laughs> but, so, we were playing against each other and we were like, well, well, we know the game. Like, we think we know the game. We've got the flow of how it works pretty well. But we don't know what anyone else in the global community is like. We don't know how to pitch ourselves against yeah. the world. And then I went to the room and I'm like, it's alright. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, everyone else is either around the same level or I'm slightly better than this people. I'm, or I watched him play. I want to be like him. Like, I, I like how confident he is and he knows what he's doing and he ha- obviously has a three game plan. Mm, cool. Uh, after that, it was... Obviously, I was demoing to basically the entire club, and once you start demoing to people, you kind of feel like you need to at least believe you know the game. Well, funnily enough, that was actually going to be my answer to the question, because it's um, when I started playing with people, and I was like, oh no, well, you need to do this. I remember this, this, when I found that I was actually able to help someone else, rather than you guys helping me, mm. I kind of thought, oh, maybe I'm not a new player anymore. He, he, when I'm playing with you guys, I all even like sitting here now. I still feel like the new guy with you guys. To be perfectly <laughs> frank, but when when you're with other people, you see that reflection. You see what you used to be, yeah, and where you are now. And that's that. You need that perspective, I think, because yeah, I got, you know, I'm not a good player, but I can't say I'm a new player anymore. So I guess it was maybe yeah, yeah. That that for me was it. Being at the club and then being able to help other people the way you guys help me. That's my answer to that question. Next one. Is from Pete from Rage Quit Wire. Fellow podcast. Mm-hmm. What are guilds that are friendly to new players and what guilds are most challenging to play with as a new player? I think we have, we have discussed this before on a podcast saying people are easier to learn than others. Well, And it's kind of what you were saying, the ones that you play into people because they're easier to learn. I think on the flip side of that, there are ones that have uh, more linear takes. Does that make sense? It depends, because I think easy guilds to learn and... Mm, I don't want to use the word master, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So, like, I think, personally, I think, like, guilds like butchers, like fish, give a better learning experience. If, if you say, I want to learn how to play football... Uh, like uh, our friend Mike at the club was playing engineers for a while didn't really understand the football side of the game was like I want to learn football picked himself up fish and literally just ground fish games they might not be the easiest to learn and play at a competitive level but if you want to learn how to play the football side of the game pick up a team that can only play football Mm. like Sharkfish do not have another option they have to go 3-0 really fair if you want to learn the killing side of the game pick up a team like Butchers or like Brewers that need to grind out the game if you want a team to pick up and if you want to get yourself to a pretty good competitive level I think most teams can fill that role but a team that's flexible like Masons or something like that which has the ability to go 3-0, 2-2, 1-4 depending on what they're matched up into I think those teams are the inherently ones that are slightly easier to get better at yeah that that seems right I mean yeah, I think everyone would still even though Hunters are still brilliant uh, much um, good now I think people would still say Hunters is not the best for a beginner. Hunters, Farmers, Blacksmiths, Morts were the, would be the ones that I shy away from. Uh, that seems sensible to me. John, you're looking... No, I'm agreeing. I'm saying 
Yeah. That's about right. Because Mort's, you don't have the playbook strength that other guilds have. Mm. It's about leveraging your more versatile but worse playbooks and your character plays against people, which is... You're not so much playing... It's less about the fundamentals of Guild Ball. It's all about knowing your opponent and knowing how to play around them. Okay. And then Blacksmiths and Farmers, you've got so many interactions that I think you probably just want to le- learn the fundamentals. Yeah. And they don't really yeah. exemplify the fundamentals. The two I'm, I strongly agree with is the Blacksmiths and Farmers, like massively. And not because they're newer, which everyone seems to be jaded and yeah. thinks that way. I don't think because they're newer, they're harder to learn. For example, I haven't seen much of the Rat Catchers cards, but I would already say they are easier to play. We haven't seen them all, but they are easier to play than Farmers and Blacksmiths. At the moment, that's how yeah. my, my perception of it. Okay. It's, not, it's not because they're newer and everyone's saying, oh, they're newer, that's why they're hard. Yeah. It's not why they're hard. It's because of the, not one model yeah. does what one model does, yeah. one model is setting yeah. up another model and there's synergy and everything else. There's a thing in Magic called Colour Pie where you've got, it's what your faction does and what it's built to do. Like, for instance, the Hunter's Colour Pie is very much learning to be efficient with influence into momentum, where they can t- change influence into momentum and vice versa and leveraging free momentum, a uh, free influence even, like okay. Furious, which again is something that's quite hard to play with with a new player, because as soon as you get someone who knows what they're doing, they're going to shut you down and it's not necessarily the easiest thing to then free that up. Yeah, that's fair. I think, well, I think Steamforge themselves would say that Masons and Brewers are probably the easiest for beginners because that's why they put them in kickoff. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think, I think that's hard to... I, mean, I would say the the Mason... you go to a competitive setting, in which case I think Brewers are slightly harder. Yeah. Just because of the way the meta is at the moment. Okay. Because people do say, you know, Brewers butchers seem to be down there. I think I don't understand the butchers thing. I really don't because I think they're great. But but that seems the stats seem to show that. The Masons Brewers are the like as you say the I would I I would tier Masons higher than I would tier Brewers. I would tier Masons very highly, whereas I would tier Brooms. Yes. Brewers very lowly. Agree. Yeah. But in terms of picking up a new guild, yeah, if you were to, I, if you were to introduce a friend to the game that's never played tabletop games, I think recommending kickoff is the way yeah. because you just be, play them two against each other and then swap it around and play them against each other. You just yeah, I, I do think I think Masons is is the easiest. Where do you think Union fit in with new? Just out of interest, we I, haven't really mentioned. I them. think the once you get past the large roster selection you have, yeah. I think they're quite easy for new players because of the way that Union was originally designed where all your players may not have the same teamwork as all the other guilds. I appreciate they've kind of bled a bit now where they do have quite a bit of teamwork. But originally they didn't have as much teamwork as other guilds. But, like, Mist was the best striker. So you had, like, the paragon of your role in your guild. So they did exactly what they were trying to do better than most other people. So it was slightly easier to pick up because your striker does striker things. yeah. Your BD people do BD things. Hmm. So engineers, where do you place them with beginners? I wouldn't recommend it. I would say only because I think I struggled with it because I wasn't trying to pick up. Well, I don't know actually. It well, might I... have just be my take on it and the way that I wanted to play it. But... I think if you give a new pair of engineers and then don't give them any advice, they're going to struggle. Right. Yeah, because yeah. it seems but, very easy and lazy to go. Well, butchers do a lot of damage, so it's easy to give them that, and they can just roll up to dice and they can do damage and they can see it happen. And with fish, you can give them influence and they can get the ball and they can score. You can see it happen. It feels mm. kind of easy to say that about those guilds, but I don't necessarily feel that's hundred percent true. I'm just saying mm. with that. But with engineers, 
think it's harder. I think you're very. If you're going to simplify it down to that level, you're two very different places. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you give someone like the pin voice robots team, and they're basically fish. With a one inch melee. With a one inch melee, but momentous tackles and close control. Yes. Like you're doing fish things. You're going, look, there's the ball, I want it. Yeah, yeah no, what, what I'm saying is there's no. Um, it's. I'm not saying it's a one inch melee as if, as if it's a gripe. It's a one inch melee. It's a more precise fish yeah. team as opposed to a shark. Ah, you've put it on a one inch melee model. I can get it off you without having it's to. It's less like load up and go. Where a shark is just like, he's got six, he's getting the ball wherever it is. Yeah. It, you've got to be slightly more tricky where it's like pinball where you're bouncing off there into there. Into the... Yeah, yeah. And then you've got the ballistic gun line. Yeah, the ballistic gun line turn grind. Yeah. With the now addition of. Yeah. Um, can't even remember what my fucking legendary is called. <laughs> Breach. Breach. That's the one. With the ability to be able to then just go, cool, I'm going to score now, take the ball off someone, deadbolt the person I'm in, sprint, shoot. Like, but I think if you give that engineer team to a new player and say, you're going to shoot people, keep people near ballista, I think that's quite easy to pick up. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Alks is interesting. I feel like Midas, I understand for new players. Smoke, not so much. Because Midas, being a super captain, I think super captains are a bit easier for people to Agreed. pick up on. It's like, there's Midas, give him all the influence you can as a new player, and then... Go and dodge, get the ball off people, do momentum, put them on a burden token. He'll help that out. You know, he's kind of quite point and shoot, I feel. Kind of easier mm. to, to understand. And he doesn't feel like an algorithm to me anymore, but that's another story. Hashtag annoyed. Got to stop saying hashtag, hashtag. Smoke, well, the, on the flip side of that is, smoke is the learning curve of knowing the influence based on how many AoEs you need to push stuff around. Yeah. It's probably because... Midas was so much different to Smoke that that's the transition. Not so much that... I still think a new player can pick up Smoke like the new player can pick up Ballista because it's the stand Mercury and Calculus near Smoke and you're going to do all right, generally but, speaking. And then and then keep your cat back and then when they get close, you make sure cat then goes in and takes it over because you should have done damage before the, by the time they get there, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and by the way... Smoke, yeah. Trip. By the way, give smoke the ball, and if you want a goal, take it. Like it, there's that sort of setup yeah. for it. So I can see the e- the easier to learn, but then it's definitely on the on the scale of easier to learn, harder to master. As we were saying earlier on, I don't think master in terms of works. Yeah. I think that's a bad way. Yeah, we're not right, trying to say we're not trying to say that you're, we're masterful of of a player or whatever. But your skill cap of it, I think it is it's easier. It's easier to say to a new player, do X. Yeah. They can do it. But how well they do it and how they adapt it to what they're playing against is going to be the big thing. I was thinking specifically with Smoke, Mercury and Calculus playbooks are not necessarily the easiest thing to use. Mm. Uh, if you want to get those models to do anything outside of throwing templates and blinds, it can be quite tricky. Yeah, massively. Yeah, agreed. agreed. But I d- yeah, I think I think we answered that one. Yeah. That was a good question. So we have some other questions that weren't directly related to new player things. So I will read those off. Friend of the show, Andrew Nye. Hey. He, he's back. Yeah. I'd, he always contributes, and I always love that. Um, how would you sell this game to non-tabletop gamers? Well, it's odd. It's actually one of the only games that I've got friends that are outside of the tabletop gaming community that said they've liked because it's got a football element. Really? And even when they look at it and they realise that you can punch people in the face and it's not really that football orientated, they go, yeah, but it's got a ball. <laughs> and they end up bumbling along yeah. and watching it, and they're enjoying it. It's a, I think it's a if it's going to sound so cheesy, but a breath of fresh air compared to other tabletop games. It steers away from the 
fantasy style of this and yeah. swords and shields or men and guns and blah 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 blah. Other than Blood Bowl, which was made back in the day, it was a Wednesday. There's not many others like it. So I think it's easy to introduce them on that in that regard. Yeah. I haven't really tried to take it into many pubs and get them to go, go ahead with it. No, I've not demoed to anyone who's not been a tabletop. Well, actually, that's a lie. No, I have. But salute, surely you have. Well, I don't know what people's backgrounds were at Salute. Surely if you're at Salute, you're a tabletop yeah. gamer. If not, you've wandered into the wrong fucking room. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I've been lucky that most people that I'm demoing to want to be demoed to. Yeah. I've not had to sell the game. Like, the people who I have demoed to that are not tabletop gamers, they have wanted to play because they know people playing it. Mm. Um, but I've also, like, friend of the Street Stamp page... I know he, when he demos it to people, he sells it as football. But he's got that knowledge of, oh, this guy's like X, Y, Z, this guy's your... Mm. Whatever. Cristiano Ronaldo. Which I don't have. That's I do not... remember him explaining yeah. the game to me like that. This person is your Lionel Messi, this guy is your da-da-da-da-da. Which uh, I have so no knowledge of. Can we uh, just not have football chat? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Okay, Vinny, Vinny Jones, we'll to use at least Vinny Jones' analogy. Don't get me started on the juggernaut again for two episodes in a row. Because <laughs> I know the only time I heard you say Wimbledon Football Club. Oh, it's brilliant. We're not talking about football. No, we are. Back in the day, 1990s Wimbledon Football Club, when we were in the Premiership and it was great. Neil Sullivan punting the ball to a striker. You've never seen it until you've tried it. I need a 5-6. Nailed it. So anyway... <laughs> uh, so, my answer would be, I don't think I would. I don't think I'm capable of it. Like, I hate selling games to people. Like... Well, I, I don't think I've ever been in that position. Generally, the guys I hang around with are you guys who are tabletop gamers. And my friends that aren't... Don't want if, to be. Yeah, if, 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 I'm never going to go, oh, how's it going? Oh, yeah, all right, thanks, chaps. And they say to me, oh, how you been? He's like, well, I'm playing this game. Let me try and sell it to you. They go, Have you heard just... about our Lord and Saviour Google? <laughs> yes. They go, Baz, do you want to just shut the fuck up? Um, like, no one thinks interested. Like, what? I don't think I would. I don't want to answer his question like that, but... I don't think... Like, there's friends I'm thinking of. And I'm like, no, I just don't think I could. But I think it's because my friends are old. If you really <laughs> but do, you, do you think, though, that this question is more angled along the lines of... Isn't uh, is, They're 1066 way, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. All of that lot. So, I know their club also has a side section of board gamers that go down. So, for example, okay. where in our club... Is he more directing this of uh, the table of people that are potentially either making stuff for their cosplays, the people that are painting? Could you potentially sell it to someone like that that doesn't play tabletop games sure. but is in the environment? Because I reckon you could. You're thinking it along the lines of, is it someone, for example, that I'm playing poker with? Yeah. I very much doubt that you're playing on the green felt of poker and then we suddenly go, oh, in between these hands, boys, roll out your three-by-three three yeah. mat and go, what about these toys? Ten-card right. Tony don't matter about spending his momentum. <laughs> I might be going all in, but have you tried raising the stakes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that sort of stuff. The, the people that are into their cosplays, their board games, their painting, their hobby, their everything else, what we would say to our hobby-related... Is is there an element of the social side, then, the community side? Would that be a good angle to go down? Is that enough to drag I people in? Don't think... Well, well yeah, I don't... I find it quite hard to pitch the community side if you know the player is not necessarily going to be wanting to go to tournaments. Okay. Well, well the, because com the community side of it is... Well, the easiest way, I think, to answer that is look at SteamCon. How many people were at SteamCon do you think that don't play the game? I think potentially... No. Well, no, Angel was there. True. She played the game. 
She played one, yeah. But what I mean is that there's that. There's how many people do you think that are other halves? Because Angel still loves the community side of it. Okay. She loves painting the models. The bus that kind of she really likes. All of the models that enjoy painting. But are there other people like that? They're out there. No. There were other people <laughs> that had other halves there. Yeah, they did drag them there. Yeah, that happened. She <laughs> <laughs> can't be the only one. I don't know. I think. I mean, to answer this question, because I want it does, you know, it deserves an answer. I think I would go down the route of this game has beautiful models. It's a really fun game to play with a fantastic community. It's on the clock, so it's quick. You know how long you're going to be, and you'll have fun playing it. I think it, I'd just do it as succinctly as that. Like I say, I would. Uh, uh, I think it can be done, but it could only be angled to people that are already that way inclined doesn't have to be tabletop hobby but it has to be they they're in the uh, they they're within your circle of friends that's the good way if you way drop a it. Venn diagram yeah <laughs> if there was a circle of people that i think that could take on guild ball and don't play tabletop games it's within a very small segment yeah. but there there are the people that have that that crossover i think cool thank you andrew and i uh moving on to another question from mr paul walters if you could get one player re-sculpted, who would it be? Ooh. Yeah, that's a toughie. So, we're pausing now. Well, I will cut that out in the podcast. No, we had... Well, this is interesting as well, because do you remember in the design of... Uh, oh, the yeah. design of veteran seminar, yeah. we were talking, in our group specifically, what model would be cool to design just because you would get a new model? Yeah, rather than advancing the plot or anything, because it was for a veteran, wasn't it? So. Yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, the rules and the development of a veteran would be also very cool, but then the mindset as well came from my mind of who would also be really cool to repose and who could potentially have something else. Yeah. Me, from the engineer side of it, I remember us talking about Salvo. Yeah. And I remember us talking about Colossus. Yeah. The mechanic of velocity and her velocity and hoist. I personally think the mechanic there's not really much more you can do with them. Well, potentially the changing of chunk, the, just make them chunkier, make them more not as big as Locus, but I think a bit chunkier. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to waste my got one model on that. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't so, want to waste it. Colossus, if my engineers would be the one that I think could do with a new model that could become pretty cool. I've seen a lot of people do the conversions where Locus is the top half and Colossus is the bottom half and it starts to look a lot cooler because it's a lot more bulky style, robot style. Okay. That's cool. That's potentially where I would look for it. Um, other models I don't I don't really know. There's not many I really play that I would look to re-sculpt. Give Strongbox a top hat. <laughs> so and a monocle. Yeah. Is that your, you're going for yeah. Strongbox... You want him re-sculpted to have a... He wanted to be a Turtle Monopoly man. Yeah. Literally. Okay. Yeah. Top Doing just walking around the pitch. Hats on. Hats on, monocle and cane. Okay, so you're going... So what are you officially Colossus. going? Colossus. You're going uh, Colossus. I'm going to go Colossus because I would love to see... I think the models have developed so much since then. Yeah, okay. Since Colossus was made, the big spider thing. Colossus, Strongbox. I'm going for... Hoist. So he can be more transformery. You know me. I love my transformers. I want him to be made maybe a little bit bigger, a little bit chunkier, and look like he's all like parts that could segment and pop apart, so that it you know for the true rep he could do all of these things, and there are all these abilities that are hidden inside him and stuff like that. That's what I think. Crossbow poking out of his chest. Why not? Why not? Can't true rep that bolt. Salvo. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah, who plays Salvo? Everyone except the you. North. 
Mm. Fuck them. <laughs> well, I'll be editing that out. No, I won't actually. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> John's, John's evil. We'll leave it at that. Um, so, friend of the show, Sam Page. If you could have one crossover player from any game, who would it be and why? This was Cray Cray. Uh, where do you go? Where do you, you stop? Anything. Are we looking to re- be realistic? Be hilarious? I was going to say, what are we doing? Like, um, Sonic the Hedgehog. Thanks, I'm scoring. Hello Kitty. <laughs> yeah, Hello Kitty Island Adventure. Okay. No. I'm gonna Literally sa- thrall. I'm going to say <laughs> it's tabletop game. He hasn't said that. I'm adding that caveat. Well, then I can't have Thrall and say it's all for it done properly. Um, okay. Uh, can't really say Master Chief because that tabletop game was shit. Uh, well, there was um, actually Halo Hero Clicks. Halo Clicks. Ooh. And it was quite cool. And I've got it and we should play it. Okay. I'm still not choosing Master Chief. Got to try and think. What, what do you do? It's a great question, I mean, but it's like, how do we answer it? Maybe you think of your favourite model in another game system you play. Simple as that. Favourite model? Riptide. Classic John. <laughs> the <laughs> tuner. <laughs> you want a yeah. supremacy suit? I want a supremacy suit. Yeah, fuck off. But I'm blocking Linus right now, boot. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I guess it, it will be some. It will be something cool, like Nightcrawler or something like that. Okay, from which game? Other than Hero Clicks, because like, that's the only one I know him from. Hero Clicks? No, <laughs> you were going to say. <laughs> Can you think of him in a game? No. I just guess he might be in a tabletop game somewhere. <laughs> You're the worst. He was really good in Hero Clicks, actually. See, that's why I picked him. <laughs> Anywho. No, go on. So, alright. Uh, this part's a mess. <laughs> correct, but I love it. Yeah. It's a hard question. It is a hard question, but I want to. Well, give now it. he said any character. You've 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 narrowed it. You've said tabletop. Why can't I have Mario? Okay, I'll let you have Mario. Mario's now my alchemist captain. Really? Fuck Midas. Have you He's seen more alchemist um, than Midas? Uh, Kirby. Dustin. I want Kirby. No, on a, on a Mario related note, um, Dustin, who was like the season one engineer player. Yeah, sorry, he painted his whole team. Yeah, his entire team is converted Mario. Yeah, it's brilliant. Wowza. That's cool. He's like got Decimator's toad with like the spotted hat. He's got um, uh, Ballista and Ratchet's Mario and Luigi. It's great. I think it was brilliant, yeah. That's not where I got the inspiration from. No, but a uh, side note. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. So you're going with Kirby? <laughs> it's basically Hoist. <laughs> True, actually. <laughs> Isn't he an egg that would crack open? What? No, that's Dizzy. I'm getting my old school games mixed up. Trust me, there's a game called Dizzy. Sure. He was an egg. It was brilliant. Go look it up. Sure. I was more specifically thinking Kirby from Smash Brothers yeah. Melee. Oh, yeah. I don't know that about that. Yeah. He was Being able to you go base the base with someone and suck them in and get their character plays. Okay. Be like Midas from season one. I'll have the scything blow, thanks. On one success. Momentous. <laughs> that is bonkers. <laughs> what are you going for? Oh, I don't know. Like, there's... Rather than lifting characters, I think probably better one would be lifting concepts from other games. Because, like, um, so for instance, one of the ones I would have said about a month ago is in Malifaux there is a character called Hamlin, who is the Piper. <laughs> a Pied Piper? Yes. Um, who, and his whole city is, 
like he makes rats. Rats make rat kings. And like it's the chain of summoning. But it's it's the Pied Piper aesthetic. I love that aesthetic. And I would have said that about two months ago. But then all of a sudden... You've got it. I've got it. Uh, there's also a reporter, which I really like in Malifaux. Where the kind of like her entire... Like if you look at her team's aesthetic, they're all like the messenger bags and running off really quickly. Cool. I quite like that aesthetic. Love it. I think I'm going to go with some sort of... Space Marine. No, I'm not going Space Marine actually. I was going Infinity and I was going for some sort of AD combat troop. Like a Tiger Soldier from Eugene. Someone with a jetpack. Yeah, I love the I love the idea of the flying, jumping about the place. They don't actually do that in Infinity because they just land. But in Guild Ball, they would fly about. They've also got mimetism, so they're harder to hit. And then they've got a shotgun, so when they get up close, they shoot you in the face, and they can take you out and any Link team members that you're dumb enough to have left. You want like Jackson with an Icarus backpack? Uh, yes, yes, I do. But I want Jackson's boombox to not only hit his target. Barry, but, but Barry just brings out a template. <laughs> yeah. Look at my widget. Have I hit you heard of the rule Hellstorm? Boom. <laughs> yeah. So effectively, I want Chaska with a jump pack and a template boombox. I mean, yeah, there you go. Seems balanced. I mean, I like the way we went. I don't believe got... balance was, a, was mentioned. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, actually. I would like to see... It's going off the Smash Brothers uh, theme because it's made me think because I can't think of another one. But a... Duo, I would like to see a model that. Ice climbers. Yeah, you see where I'm going. <laughs> like a model that activates together, kind of like Avarice and Greed, but without. Brain Pan memory? No, but I want them to be very similar. Instead oh, okay. of a master and a, a puppet, like two people that just. They're weak individually, but together they're strong. Um, but they're very similar. But what's that in game terms? Because Dan said something that meant nothing to me. Their name is Ice Climbers. Ice Climbers. Ice Climbers. It's a little... It's from a, I mean, a very old arcade game. Yeah. I worry what you think is very old. As in it was not 3D grounds. <laughs> yeah, no. And they to, I'm still worried. They, they had to climb up a mountain, wasn't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. If you lose one of them, the other one's very sad and doesn't do a lot. Yeah. But one of them's pink. It's blue. A vertical platform video game in 1985. Yeah, I'll let you have that as old, thank God. Yeah. That's fine. Right. Or the Lost Vikings. Na- Nana and Popo. That's the names. I knew one of them was called Nana. I can't remember the other one. Got a lovely little blue jacket and a little pink jacket and they like to jump up the mountain. Very down. Double thumbs up. Uh, um, our last question is from Scott Bowyer. He says, uh, rea- uh, our reactions to the Ratmen and thoughts on the PVC Indiegogo. Well, we did start with that. Yeah, PVC Indiegogo, we'll see. I'll fund it when it gets to 750 because I'll be jealous that 800 people will have it and I won't. In short. Um, and the Ratman, we are super looking forward to the Rat Catchers. I can't wait to see the rest of the cards so we can have that discussion that we wish we could have had today. Piper's the important one we need to see, I think. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm... Well, I'm... So... It's the only Captain model they're going to have access to. It's the... Him and True. Squeak will be the two that you have to play every game. True. But I would also the disease condition thing. Who gives that's going to be? That, how do they give it? That's going to be their. Well, thing. we know it's Myers and Scotch. Yes. Yeah, but how it affects them sure. too is going to be. And thing. can they? Is there a way to heal their own from it? Well, thank you so much to everyone that sent us a question. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening and interacting. 
it's great. And if you want to send us uh, a longer message or anything, please do so at rollbetterpodcast at gmail.com. And we still haven't had one email, so it'd be great to get one, even if you're saying we Not hate you, shut desperate. up. Yeah. Uh, I am desperate. <laughs> I, want a, I want an email. <laughs> it's, not, it's not just questions as well I mean it would be nice to get um, topics that are suggested by someone that if they want a longer review of a, than a question then it's something that we could do one of the things we're also really looking forward to doing is going to the event so in February we've got the Masters that you and me are both playing in the Sunday we have qualified for the Sunday yeah qualified for the Sunday playing in the last chance qualifier to make up the numbers and crush dreams yeah because we love question dreams <laughs> and um and Matt's going up on the, for the last chance to qualify as well, isn't he? Yeah, we're going to face him round two and three and beat him down so he can't qualify. Yeah, and it's going to be great <laughs> fun. Um, the other events, I mean, all the jumpers for Guildpost guys, I know they put up their dates. I'm really sorry I don't I know them, but I know that you've put them up. It's the Mid-Kent Guildball Association. Yeah. They put up jumpers for Guildpost 4, which I believe is sold out. Yeah. I believe they have a larger event, possibly, and a team event this year. Great guys, great events. Yeah, the ten second walk to a kebab shop. That don't understand what Hartford Burgers. Different story. Kebab. But yeah, we make sure we're going to that. The team event as well. I cannot shout out about enough. If the if the one that was just been posted up in Scotland was closer, I would go. But I don't want to go to Scotland. It's cold. Autism. <coughs> <laughs> Sorry, Pash. <laughs> well, are you chaps all, all tidied up and done? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Well, in that case, then please do. Roll better. (laughs) (laughs) So, you're in your flat. You're saying you're doing your cooking. This is an easy one. Get your mints. Nice bit of beef mints. Low heat, start frying it up. Caraway seeds, fennel seeds. Bit of Worcester sauce, Oxo cube. You with me so far? I'm writing it down. <laughs> Mix it all up, fry it up. Just not on a high, you know. Sweat it. Add your couple of cloves of garlic, crushed up. Uh, a couple of large salad onions, like the big spring onion things, chopped up. Chuck them in, fry them all up. Then once that's going. Sainsbury's Passata. I think it's like 55p for a little carton thing. Chop it open. Wadge your Passata in. Mix it all up. Then you start adding basil, oregano. That's the important one. Little bit of sage. Little bit of salt. Little bit of pepper. Wish it all up. Zhuzh it. Zhuzh it up. Zhuzh it up. Get it bubbling. Once that's done, start letting it cool. Once it's cooling, mascarpone. Tub of mascarpone cheese. Put a big dollop of that in. And just slowly blend that in. Blend it in, blend it in, blend it in. Serve that over some gnocchi. You're done. Simple as that. You'll love it. What the fuck is Passata? Passata.